ever look at your sit-down or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios right here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. I want to say thank you for all of you joining us. Thank you for uh, walking hand-in-hand with us, standing side-by-side as we fight the tyrannical globalist Luciferian agenda. We are locked and loaded. I would urge everyone to saddle for battle. It's coming. It's coming. Those new to the program, we broadcast live Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Be here, or you can catch us on our archive, uh, at the archive, anytime, 24-7. But our, our flagship network is the Global Star Radio Network. Global Star Radio Network. Just, folks, go to com. That's our show website. And uh, click on the link right to GSR. You can listen to us live, and you can also watch us live on our official YouTube channel via the same. Well, just just go to HagmanHagman.com, and uh, you'll see all of the navigational tools right there, links right there. We simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live and buy archive, as I said. Don't forget, we've got two websites. Hagman and Hagman.com and HagmanReport.com. We also have the grand opening of our store which was last week or the week before it's still we're still having a grand opening and um that's hagmanreportstore.com now we only have uh just a handful of products right now all right we'll get more more's in the store that boy that sounded funny. More's in store. But it, it, seriously, more will be coming. Um, we're very, uh, we're very picky. 
about things. Like, I'm very picky about things. Just a, a shameless plug for the Hagman Report store. It took a long time to, like, pick out a, a, a T-shirt blend of, for example, I had to ask me made in the United States and even the mugs. No, got to be made in the United States. Sorry. And, and that's got, we, we went through a whole bunch of, whole bunch of, um, companies to, to settle on this particular mug, which is made in the USA. Just ask Eric. He's sitting on about 140 of them right now. Literally sitting on them. No, I'm the boxes. And um, with with things like that, you've got to buy minimum quantity, for example. So, but anyway, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with film investigator researcher and my son Joe Hagman. We we are something I like to call the Hagman Hagman Report, America's premier father son investigative reporting team. How about last night's program? Didn't Joe did a great job. What he did was he he just opened the microphone and then he walked away, had dinner. I think he might have wined and dined uh, had dinner, a sponsor. Back, and took then us came out. Back. Yeah. Then after the, the second hour, brought us in, went and got ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Took a nap. Well, why do I look dead? Uh, I mean, <laughs> seriously, why do we look like we're dead on, on, on the video? Like... My tan's gone. Because your spray tan washes off. Spray tan, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's been (laughs) sunny up here, and it it has been. But 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 you look. um, Yep, we got our new. Oh, that camera. We got our new old camera back. All right. So we switched. Because I look pale. See now. Look at that. See, see, I look pale. I mean, can you? Maybe wow. you're dead. Maybe you're dead. Hmm. Anyway, no. So, folks, uh, th- thanks. We're, we're kind of uh, dragging a little bit here, only because we're waiting for uh, a, a number of people to, to join us tonight. A lot of news to get into. We're going to be reclaiming some ground tonight that uh, uh, that we haven't really ad- things that we haven't addressed. And, but back uh, up. We're waiting for a number of people to join us tonight. Well, I mean, uh, the listeners. Okay. okay. The uh, last night's show was just amazing with Tom Horn. If you don't know about the Sybil prophecies, very interesting. Um, very interesting. Uh, it's just very interesting. I, I I don't want to get into that because we could talk for for an entire program about this. But um, uh, some of the things that that. Uh, Tom Horn said, and and Steve said last night about the um, prophetic developments and and even the the papal the Vatican uh, developments, and, and don't forget, folks, it was on our show that Tom Horn and Chris Putnam had said that the Pope was going to resign. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. And um, he did. So we, we, we are breaking new ground. Or we have been breaking new ground for the last couple of years. Now, one thing, here are our plans. Just we'll share them with you. Kind of like we're all just sitting around the table here and talking. Uh, Joe and I are, and Eric are going to be covering the Conventions, the Democrat and Republican conventions, Cleveland, Ohio, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm going to dress up uh, Eric in a 
Make America Great Again uh, t-shirt and cap and throw them in the crowds at the Democratic Convention. <laughs> I'll film. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, the, we're getting, we're getting intelligence and information. And, and this is, and, and, and I, I've gotten some emails about this and I'll, I'll address this, but, uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing is, uh, covering really the, what the mainstream media will not, or will not cover. And that's the fact that you've got groups right now, specifically Soros groups, Soros funded groups. And, and people hear that name and they kind of, it, it turns them off. It's like, okay, Soros is responsible for everything. Well, in, in many cases, he is with respect to the, the, the funding of the Black Lives Matter, the, many of the, these, uh, these, uh, demonstrating groups that are already planned and they've got blocks of rooms, for example, in Cleveland. Expect, expect a, a very, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, expect problems in Cleveland. And I did receive an email to, to the to the individual who sent me, who's part of the training that's taking place right now for Cleveland. And you know who you are. You sent me an email. I'm talking to you now. You live in a in Ohio in EMS, and I'm talking to you. Um, I got your email. I did not respond to it, uh, but. I read it, and I will respond to it. I know that sounds rather cryptic, but um, there were and there were a couple of others as well listening and living in the Cleveland area, Greater Cleveland. Well, when I say that, I'm saying anywhere from Cleveland to Canton, <clears throat> and um, we'll be we'll be talking. We'll be uh, just hang on because we'll, <clears throat> you you can perhaps be of assistance for us. It's not that I, the, the response I, I've been collecting the information, um, but the other on the other side of the coin too, you have to understand. We get a lot of emails, and we don't know. Well, how can I put this? There are people out there who say they are something, and they're not. We also have been going through a, a series of weird things here at the studio. Out of respect of homes, out of respect of, uh, at the office, um, that we have to increase our perimeter security. Just so you know, I'm not going to get into any de- details, except to say it's, you know, it's getting pretty serious out there. And, and I would urge everyone listening to this, Joe, uh, you know, I was thinking about this today. We're we're coming into an, a time period. This uh, perhaps between now and the, I'll say the end of January, is perhaps the most critical time in modern American history. And I think that means as a nation, but that also means for people like us and for people like you. I mean that. And you might think, well, I'm nobody, you know, because we, we, I'm, I say the same thing, I'm nobody. But I think, I think you're going to see some things take place that you wouldn't ordinarily think they would. You wouldn't automatically think that they would be taking place. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just saying that there are things out there that are taking place that kind of make you go, huh. 
Before we go further, I want to remind everyone that portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones. Have you gone to WholeTonesLive.com yet? Folks, go to Whole Tones Live. Whole Tones Live. That's with a W. WholeTonesLive.com. You, you see, we listen to Whole Tones Live because it, it offsets the the mental anguish, the strife, the the uneasiness. Whole Tones Live is a great product, ladies and gentlemen. You can play it in the background and of your home or your office. My wife plays it uh, right before when she gets into bed. Um, and actually, there are frequencies there that, that address, you know, that help you drift off to sleep. And uh, When I say frequencies, it'd be like, uh, the, you know, songs, uh, but but at specific frequencies. Or, or you can play in the background at your office to make productivity, your productivity better. I received an email yesterday, and I'll, I'll get into this later. But I got an email yesterday from someone who is who works at a uh, at a university, and very interesting email about whole tones and about uh, uh, his findings about whole tones. So, but later on that, all right, Joe, what do you want to get into uh, first? Because we got a lot. That is a great question. I mean, we, we, there's a smattering of stuff that we need to talk about. Well, we do have. Uh, Trump has uh, talked about Vince Foster and the Clinton connections. We got yeah. TSA news. I'd like to start from this article from yesterday. Hold, hold off on the Foster stuff if you can. Okay. Uh, just this article, a moment. This article from Wayne Madsen. CIA links top Hillary donor George Soros to terrorist bombing. In an era of growing false flag terrorist incidents, a former, formerly top secret central intelligence agency document the National Intelligence Daily of February 4th, 1987, strongly suggests a George Soros connection to a terrorist bombing in what was then Czechoslovakia. In 86 to 87, saw the early effects of the Soviet leader Gorbachev's um, policies began to take effect in Eastern Europe. George Soros, whose insider currency speculation made him one of only a few Wall Street vampires to make out financially in the crash of October of 87, began to take advantage of the situation in Eastern Europe. Anyways, this article by Wayne Madsen goes on to link George Soros to a um, funding, a bomb, a bombing that happened. And uh, there's so much uh, here. Uh, if you know the Madsen report, you can read up on this article. But what I find interesting about this is what they're doing here is dated back to 86, 87. Here right, we are. Right. How right. many years later? The same people funding these things. The same leaders. Um, Hillary being the you know, front runner for the Democratic presidential nomination. And the same tactics. Terrorism. Done by the CIA as Wayne Matson. Right. And, and Wayne Matson's a good source. Yeah. So, all right. And um, the question is asked, did George Soros authorize acts of terrorism against the Czechoslovakian government? If so, why has Mr. Soros not been uh, charged or put in prison for aiding and abetting acts of terrorism in Europe? CIA analysts of the terrorist attacks concluded that the violence may have represented the work of an outside group. Again, the finger pointed at Soros. 
an entire paragraph in the report on the Czechoslovakian bombing campaign remains redacted by the CIA. The CIA believed that the bombings were conducted in order to mobilize the usually apathetic Czechoslovakian population, and the CIA, its own uh, sordid history of waking up apathetic populations through the use of false flag terror attacks. Mr. Soros is a major contributor to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Soros' possible activities in 86-87 may eventually show that Mrs. Clinton's campaign was financed and backed by a roller of terrorism. Again, go to WayneMadsonReport.com. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe to his newsletter and read his detailed article on this, which I, uh, they have pictures um, Charter 77, a New York organization funded by Soros. That's what this ties back to, and back to the Communist Party, where um, the bombing of the Czechoslovakian Communist Party headquarters at uh, Czech... I'm not even going to try to pronounce that down. And uh, other attempted attacks at party buildings alarmed authorities and led to heightened securities across facilities in uh, Prague and other uh, governments in Czechoslovakia, but Soros is behind all this financially, according to Wayne Madsen's articles, which is very interesting. And tying that into our next piece, you said hold off on the on the Trump on oh, no. Foster. Yeah, let's do that because I, I do have some comments on 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 Foster. Okay. Well, we have um, last week we had Michael Snyder on the show, mm-hmm. and he's come out with a great article today. Uh, about the Pope. One world religion cometh. Pope Francis warmly welcomes top Islamic cleric to the Vatican. Excuse me. says, so precisely, what kind of message was Pope Francis attempting to convey? Sheikh Ahmed al-Tayyib is the grand imam of Cairo's Al-Azhar Mosque, and some have described him as the highest figure in the Sunni Islam. The Daily Mail said the meeting between the two men was a historic bid to reopen dialogue between the two churches. And as you will see below, this is yet another in a long series of attempts by Pope Francis to build bridges between Catholicism and various other faiths. In the end, what are we to make of all this? Could it be possible that Pope Francis is laying the groundwork for the super world church, the coming one world religion that David Wilkerson and so many others have warned about, the interfaith movement? Pope Francis made sure that when he embraced Sheikh Ahmed al-Taib, there would be plenty of reporters there to document the moment. And it goes on uh, in the article to uh, list some of the reporters' comments. But the key here is the interfaith dialogue, the intermingling of Islam and Christianity and Catholicism, and, and this is so important to understand. What we what we need to understand is this: in order for a new world order, in order for the globalists and people have a tendency to dislike the new world order uh, the terminology or the phrase new world order. They think it's uh, all conspiracy nonsense. But in order for us to have a new world order, what what the powers that be, what the powers beyond the powers need to do is they need to uh, basically outlaw all the monotheistic religions. They need to change the monotheistic religions. They need to remove Jesus Christ out of the equation, out of the entirety of of the uh, Christian model. Now, uh, Pope Francis Snyder continues, very early in his papacy, he authorized Islamic prayers and readings from the Quran at the Vatican for the first time ever. And as I documented, 
In a previous article entitled, In New York, Pope Francis Embraced Chrislam and Laid a Foundation for a One World Religion, during his visit to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan, he made it very clear that he believes Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And, and that, remember when George W. Bush had said that, you know, we worship the same God. That's a lie from us, straight from the pits of hell. We don't worship the same God. Um, we, we, and, and this is why, and, and it can be argued that even Christians and Jews don't worship the same God. Now, I'm not going to go there only because that's a lengthy conversation that's very deep. And, 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 People will take it the wrong way if it's not given the proper amount of time and, and information. But clearly, the God of Islam is not the same as the God of Christianity. Clearly, the God of Islam is arguably based on a moon god, all right? A lunar god. Uh, ours is not. The, the but but in order for the um, Christians to accept or to be accepted into a global governance, they have to they have to uh, distill all three major monotheistic religions. Now that doesn't mean, and people say, well, I might ask, what about Hinduism and, and Buddhism and all of that? No, well, that's, that's okay. That's, that's dealt with fine. It. Well, yeah. Pope it, Francis explains in a video that Mike Snyder uh, puts in his report right. that people all over the world are seeking God or meaning God in different ways, and that there is only one, certainly, that we have for all. We are all God's children. It says about the 22nd mark, leaders from various major religions are shown declaring what they believe. First, a female Buddhist announces, I have confidence in the Buddha. Second, a Jewish rabbi declares, I believe in God. Thirdly, a Catholic priest says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Lastly, an Islamic leader is shown saying, I believe in God Allah. If you have not seen this video, it is one of the creepiest things I have ever seen on YouTube. It has become exceedingly clear that Pope Francis believes all major religions are completely valid paths to the same God, and there is virtually no uproar over this. Oh. And he's right on the money. There, there needs to be an uproar. There needs to be a, a people to, to say, look, you're, you're, this is rotten thinking. This is, this is thinking that's wrong to the, to the core. I mean. Yeah. And he calls, he closes it out with this. He says, This just shows how late in the game we really are. The one world religion that was prophesied nearly 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation is coming to life. We are witnessing the events of the last days beginning to unfold right in front of our eyes. And that's something we've been saying. That's something our guests have been saying. Yep. That many people have been talking about. We are in the throes of the last of the last days. I mean, we're not in the tribulation yet, but we are going through these birth pangs. Right. We are seeing the earth changes. We are seeing the political upheaval, specifically in the Middle East. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it continues to get worse. And then Syrian refugees, top headline on Dredge right now. Syrian refugees flood in. Uh, this is a, a problem that continues, and... Um, they're saying that the immigration situation, the flooding in of refugees into this country will double or triple in the next few months what has happened in the last few years. So we're at the beginning still, beginning stages of this invasion, if you'll call it that. Right. 
Well, let me, uh, I guess at this point, because th- th- this is in- incredibly important uh, to, to what's going on today. Let, let me talk about Vince Foster, and let's talk about Vince Foster. All right. Trump obviously uh, had, he went there, mm-hmm. the Gateway Pundit, the reports uh, reported yesterday. Uh, some think the death of Vince Foster was absolutely a murder. Now, l- let me preface what I'm about to say with this. There are people out there who who will attempt to, um, well, not tell the entire truth when it comes to the Hillary Rodham Clinton and her dealings and, and uh, Vince Foster. Uh, they'll, they'll they'll stipulate, for example, well, it, you know, Foster committed suicide, just just not in the park. All right. Yeah, okay. There's no blood. Well, right. But uh, here is, and and I don't believe here. I don't believe them, and and even worse, those people who who propose that or and perpetuate that theory, and it is a theory, as is mine. But those people who say and write about and report on the the death of Vince Foster. Is it being a, a a suicide? In other words, where Foster himself did did uh, pull the trigger, uh, to me represent a greater threat. The people who who perpetuate that represent a greater threat to the truth than those who say, "Well, nah, it was." You know, I mean, it was totally it was totally the be able to kill himself in the park, and it is what it is, and end of story. Anything else is conspiracy nonsense. Because mixed with that lie, or mixed with that mixed with the truth of finding the body in the park and perhaps he was moved and whatever yes he was but did, do i believe he, he himself uh, committed suicide no i don't i believe he was murdered i believe it was murder did you see the uh piece from world and daily on this I from did. jerome corsi yeah uh, jerome corsi has written extensively about this christopher ruddy has written extensively about this but yes i did okay world net daily but we're talking in 1993, Clinton White House advisor, longtime friend of Hill, of, uh, 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 both Bill and Hillary, but specifically Hillary, Vince Foster Jr. committed suicide or was found dead in Fort Marcy Park. Now he was the highest ranking government official to, to, be, to die under mysterious circumstances since the, uh, since the JFK. Uh, Hillary Clinton Waited 30 hours, and get this, 30 hours before telling Bill um, about the suicide note, the alleged suicide note left behind by Foster. Now, in the context of of Donald Trump and today's and and today's story, and yesterday's story, but today it's gaining traction. Donald Trump suggested Foster's death was absolute murder. The Washington Post, what they said was the, uh, that was, they said was Trump is reviving some of the ugliest political chapters. These are their words, not ours. Of the 1990s, with escalating personal attacks on Bill Clinton's character, centered on past accusations of sexual assault and a concerted effort to smother Hillary Clinton's campaign message with the weight of decades of controversy. Well, Okay, the post. Come on, are you serious? We don't need Bill Clinton's baggage to bring Hillary down when it comes to controversy. Well, they're joined at the hip, though. They're incestuous, obviously. In addition to being married, they're incestuous, but they're joined at the hip. So, so look at the look at what the Washington Post is saying. 
Um, one asked in an interview last week about the foster case, Trump dealt with it as he has with many of the edgy topics, raising doubts about the official version of events, even as he says he doesn't plan to talk about it on the campaign trail. Now, he's backing away from it. He answered the question, but but he's not going to make it a, a campaign issue. He called the theories of possible foul play very serious in the circumstances of Foster's death very fishy. He had intimate knowledge of what was going on. Uh, this is according to Trump, uh, speaking of Foster's relationship. Um, and he, he knew everything that was going on, and, and then all of a sudden he committed suicide. Well, that's BS. Now, that's, that's according to I'm kind of paraphrasing here from the post. Now, Trump said this. I, I didn't bring Foster's death up because I don't know enough to really discuss it, but I will say that there are people who continue to bring it up because they think it was absolutely a murder. I don't do that because I don't think it's fair. That's So, um, it's interesting. Again, and I want to caution people about the books and the writings out there when, when this is being discussed because it... it, it, it there's a lot of misinformation about this. The let me just go over some of the issues here with Vince Foster because this, and I'll tell you why it's important. And you might think this is old news; we don't need to discuss it. It has no, no bearing on on the current events. Well, it does. It does because you've got what the foster case does is it opens your eyes to a criminal cabal that exists within or inside the beltway that directly involves Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton and the people still in power today. The, the Clinton power machine has never gone, has never left the beltway, never gone outside of never left Washington. All right. So and it's important because you've got the, the same playbook with Foster being, um, and what we'll do is we're going to do a, a, a we're going to do a show I think on Foster around the time of his anniversary, the anniversary of his death because it's it's that important. Um, there are so many anomalies, so many contradictions with respect to the uh, death of the finding of Foster. The, the guy who discovered, for example, the body in Fort Marcy Park says he was curious about the cause of death. He looked closely for a gun. He didn't. He said there was no gun at the scene, no gun in either hand. This guy looked very close. The FBI put a lot of pressure on this witness to change his testimony. Why? Did he interrupt the staging of a suicide? Perhaps that was only completed after he, after he had left the scene. Now, let me let me just say this. You've got the FBI investigating Hillary, Diane, Rodham Clinton on an email situation. You had the FBI back then... Uh, making an inquiry about the death of Vince Foster. The same criminal activity with the same criminals. The Department of Justice back in the 1990s versus the Department of Justice in 2016. The same tactics, the same playbook, and the same bottom line. Forensically, the powder burns found on both of Vince Foster's hands apparently came from powder discharge from the front of a gun cylinder. Now think about this. If you're going to commit suicide, you're going to, you're going to hold the gun up to your head. Um, you're not going to have powder burns on the barrel or from the front barrel of the gun. If he'd been gripping the handle, his hands would have been his hands would have had stain patterns, and I'm pointing now to the the, the pad the, the the pad between my uh, thumb and uh, 
forefinger here. This is where you would have the powder burns, not here. This would indicate, and in, in every every homicide uh, or every situation like this that I've read or seen or researched, when somebody grabs the gun, the barrel of a gun, they're going to have powder powder burns around the um, around the, the wound. Uh, well, yeah, but around the the the, the fingers uh, yeah. that is grasping the 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 barrel. Not, uh, but that's not where the powder burns, or the, the, that's where the powder burns were. So it would appear that he grabbed the barrel. Yeah, you would get powder burns on the sleeve. Yeah, the sleeve and the pad of the hand, the, the web between the right, right. Now, the gun. It, it's interesting to note too that the gun was still in Foster's hand, and it's unusual. His right hand, it was, correct. Um, Even though he was left-handed, the gun was in his right hand. Right. Now, this is a thirty-eight caliber, and if you've ever watched, and, and I had taken the, uh, I'm certified in blood blood spatter analysis and forensic discipline of blood stain evidence analysis, and when you look at, uh, if you've ever seen photographs, or if you've ever been unlucky enough to come into a um, a situation where someone has shot themselves, especially in the head with a gun, with a handgun, a thirty-eight, most of the time, if not all of the time, the gun is not, you're not going to, a person is not going to, the, the individual who shoots himself is not going to maintain a grip on that gun. It rarely, if ever, will a gun, uh, and I'm talking about a pistol, stay in the hand of someone who, who discharges that in their mouth or in their head. Because there's a powerful recoil behind it, and a thirty eight is usually thrown quite a ways. Um, and I've seen it upwards of 20 feet, across a room even. Now, um, I don't know how many people remember seeing, for example, now there was a case, and this was interesting, it was different, but the uh, the suicide, the obvious suicide of our Bud Dwyer, the Pennsylvania treasurer, which was caught on, on video, he used a three fifty seven during a press conference. That was that, like in Meadville or something. Yeah, that was down down right. Yes, it was in that area, and he had. Uh, I remember because we had one of my uh, a gentleman I was dealing with was there at the conference, and he was telling me that you know it was just a whole weird, eerie thing that was going on, and um, he Dwyer pulled the gun out of. Uh, a novel put it in his mouth again a three fifty seven and shot himself um now for our class for the certification we had that we we were shown the unedited footage that was taken by a camera that was i don't know maybe ten feet away and uh i mean shown over and over and over again and and we had to analyze the the the, the spatter and the and the staining and such. It was just, it was a horrendous, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you something, I'll never forget having to go through that over and over again, both the sight and the sound of that. But, anyway. It's interesting, too, because there was no blood or tissue on the Foster gun found anywhere. Normally, the force of a powerful explosion inside the mouth, there's, there's something called blowback. Okay? When you, when you put a gun, for example, against a soft tissue, and you pull the trigger, there's blowback, blows back into the barrel, the tissue, blood, that blows back into the into the barrel and also around the barrel. 
And rarely do you ever find a situation like Foster's where no fingerprints are found on the exterior of the gun. Go figure. He wasn't wearing gloves. And the FBI came out and said, well, the lack of fingerprints uh, suggests that there was a lack of sweat on Foster's hands. Come on, it was the humidity was like 95% on that day in 1993. The temperature that afternoon passed 95 degrees. Temperature humidity index reached 103. That's the, you know, feel. Um, and, and if you consider, too, you're going to be sweating. If you're, if you're a normal person, you're going to be building up some sweat. Um, if you're, if you're thinking about killing yourself, the feds also, the lab also found two fingerprints beneath the removable handle grips of the gun. The prints did not belong to Vincent Foster. No effort was made to identify those prints through the FBI, through APHIS. The, the fingerprint uh, database. The gun, there's no evidence that this gun belonged to Foster that he used, or there was there any evidence that this gun that they found at the scene that wasn't seen by the guy who found the body was ever uh, fired or fired the fatal shot. And her, his husband, her, yeah, his wife, um, His wife really didn't help matters any, and I'm not sure if I really could blame her, but um, she went to look for her husband's gun in its normal spot. He had a, um, what one might call a silver gun, silver-colored gun. That's, you know, but, but instead, No. Uh, she, no member of the Foster family who's looked at the gun that was used allegedly in the, his suicide said, yeah, that's his gun. So, who made the exchange and why? And don't forget the ABC photo that was leaked during that time of Vince Foster's murder was black. Members of the family, Foster family, all said, no, that's not his gun. But yet, the FBI showed Foster his widow uh, a silver gun and told her it was the gun found at the scene so you have to ask yourself why did the FBI do that and again compare the FBI's actions back in 93, 94 and subsequent to this murder to how they're handling the email situation today who are they working for that's why for example when we look at the email criminal activity or or the criminal activity associated with the uh, Clinton Foundation. Do you really think, folks, that we are going to get any answers? Mm, I don't think so. And I should mention, too, about the Foster's gun that contained two cartridges, one spent, one unspent. They were stamped with a code indicated they were very high-velocity rounds, very powerful rounds, which is inconsistent with the fact that there was no large exit wound and I will jump forward because I can go through. Actually, I've got in my notes here, I've got eight dozen. I've got 96, 95, I'm sorry, 95 oddities surrounding the Foster uh, murder. 95. And to go over all of them, I mean, I could, I could perhaps make a pretty 
pretty good case with with the with the verification with the citations along with my ninety five uh, points that include uh, obfuscation by the press that include obfuscation by individuals journalists so called journalists out there saying well it was a suicide. <laughs> the body was moved. No, no, it was a murder. And there is a. To, to, I, this is. My, I am saying to me. I believe this truly was a murder based on the totality of evidence. Now, I'm citing. I'm, I'm going back to nearly 30 years of my investigative experience. Um, do I know who did it? No, but I certainly can identify a suspect pool, and at the head of that suspect pool would be the very person running for office today, Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton. Did she pull the trigger? I don't think so. But I, I do believe that it was by her orders that he is no longer with us, Vince Foster. Again, these are my professional opinions only based on my recent research and investigation. I just want to make that clear. I don't have any inside information. I do have one bit of inside information. And that's something weird happened at the autopsy of Vince Foster. And here's perhaps why no one is talking about Vince Foster. I can't prove this. I was told this. I was told this by one person, and it was confirmed by another. That Vince Foster, during the autopsy, there was an organ removed from Vince Foster, and that was his tongue. And it was shown to others, a couple of other individuals. Now, why would you do that? You talk, you wag your tongue, it's going to be served to you on a silver platter. Okay. Joe and I had gone down to Fort Mercy Park, and I, I didn't, for our, or I had gone down to Fort Mercy Park. Joe and I had gone down to Washington another time. But when I had gone down to Fort Mercy Park to look at the land and talk to some individuals, there's, it was actually, I did this with two years, I think. It was 95? 95. I was there. And I've got pictures of me down there in Fort Mercy Park from 1995. Can you believe that? Yeah. Boy, I looked younger back then. <laughs> But anyway, the reason I did that was I, I wanted, and even back then I had this, this really, this curiosity, because I was more interested, and, and this was the t- during the time I was interested in the forensic aspects of the case more, and I had really no clue about the, um, about the political ramifications. I was more interested in the forensics and the, and the, and, and, and the uh, activities. And, and then subsequent to that, I had got, I've gotten Chris Ruddy's book, uh, The Strange Death of, of uh, Vince Foster. And then around that same time, and don't forget folks, if you may, you may recall, um, G. Gordon Liddy was, he had a radio show. And it was through G. Gordon Liddy's radio show that, uh, a, uh, confidential witness came forward and said, look, I, I was there at the park and I saw things. And of course, Gordon, G. Gordon Liddy, he went to G. Gordon Liddy. And some say, well, that could have been a, a, a PR move or a, a big, uh, um, it, it just some people have said well eh, the guy was grasping for attention but uh, Liddy vetted him pretty well and uh, I believe I, I believe everything that um, this confidential witness said to Liddy in Liddy's 
statements about the Foster case and this confidential witness, I believe, to be true. The reason I say that, not because I like necessarily like G. Gordon Liddy or have any opinion on, on, on him whatsoever, except that I believe that his statements are true with respect to this case. Um, but but who cares today? Who cares today, 23 years after the event? Right? You say, who cares? Because the the power, the criminal cabal in D.C., the mur- a man was murdered. He was a husband. He was a father. At one time, I mean, he, you know, he was a very powerful individual in Washington and in, in the Clinton White House. His secretary, of course, was Linda Tripp. Think about that for a moment. Anyway, the reason it's important today is because of the very same people who were involved in killing and murder and uh, staging crime scenes and and having them staged, I should say, and uh, the sex, the incestuous sex, the 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 perversion of things is happening today by the very same people. And the reason that's happening is because we didn't put a stop to it back then. So I just wanted to really. Um, kind of really push that and, and say, go, Donald Trump, yes. Make statements and, and ask questions because, indeed, this is one thing. And Ron Brown, don't forget about Ron Brown as well. Remember Ron Brown? No. No? Yeah. Well, yeah. Ron Brown, you know, you remember Ron Brown, of course. Who died in a plane crash? Whoops! Wait a minute. We got a circular hole in a lead storm in his head. Yeah, Ron Brown, also a member of the Clinton Insider Circle. Again, do do you think uh, do you think perhaps that uh, do you think perhaps that this is all just nothing? It doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. Switching gears just real quick, Joe, and I'm going to turn it back to you. Um, Indiana residents, if you if you're listening it's to a, this in Indiana, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Beach Grove, Indiana, last night, did we go? To <laughs> bang, bang, uh, yeah. Hey, military hey. training wakes Beach Grove residents early Tuesday morning. Are we at war? Many, well, many yeah. residents of Beach Grove awoke early Tuesday morning to what they say sounded like gunshots and explosions. Yep. According to police officials, this activity was part of a scheduled military training exercise near the old Fort or the old St. Francis Hospital. Beach Grove residents say they saw low-flying helicopters over the area and heard what sounded like several loud explosions. But police said, "Don't worry, there's no threat to anybody. It's just a training exercise." Folks, you train where you fight. See, we are preparing, and if this is not Exhibit A for um, uh, urban warfare fighting, then I don't know what is. And and people laugh and they scoff and they say, oh, come on, quit being such a conspiracy knucklehead when you talk about these things. Ask yourself why. Why are we having war drills? And this is what they are, simulated explosions, well, real explosions, but simulated raid on the old Francis Hospital, helicopters, the federalization of police, uh, 
And and everyone just pats you on the head and say, don't worry, son, don't worry. Just don't worry about this. Nothing to see here. Meanwhile, the residents are saying, we thought the world was ending. We thought there was a war out there. No one told us about a military drill or a paramilitary drill. And that's been commonplace with a lot of these drills is the lack of the military or police giving the military telling the police they're doing drills or even the citizens in the areas where the drills are being conducted are unaware what is about to happen so you can imagine the confusion the the chaos the uh the amount of fear that you would i mean imagine waking up and you you let your dog out or take your dog for a walk and all of a sudden there's four or five low-flying black helicopter sounds of explosion and gunfire you would think you're at war um this, this, is, this has been going on for years. <laughs> you know, look, we, we have seen this for years. Um, there have been, uh, there, this is out of place. The federal government, the U.S. Army, they've been readying, they've been preparing for domestic unrest for decades. I've talked about it. I talked about it three years ago when I said our, my source within DHS said that we were going to have a civil war. Okay. They were preparing for a civil war. And, you know, people laughed and they said, oh, come on, your source, you don't have a source, those are voices in your head. And look what happened subsequent to, look what we see subsequent to that, that, uh, that revelation. Um, and, and of course, even previous to that, but now it has really stepped up. Preparations are accelerating exponentially. The federal government has, has militarized the police forces. We have tanks, we have armored personnel carriers, we've got the uh, weaponry that, 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 that that rivals the military. When I say we, I'm talking about the the municipal police agencies who have been hardened. The establishment media, well, their reaction, for example, to military actions on the street, um, anyone who characterized concerns about the drill is nothing more than, for example, right-wing paranoia. Come on. Since when has the military really been allowed to operate on the streets of America, fight and train on the streets of America. This is why we have a sprawling military bases. But you train where you fight. And we are having, we are seeing this um, urban military, realistic military training exercises with the Green Berets, with the Navy SEALs, the uh, the 82nd Airborne Division, for example, with Jade Helm. Uh, you're seeing drills in Texas, Utah, Nevada, all across the, uh, the, the southwest and into the north. You're seeing the same outlets that, uh, um, where you, where you're, you're seeing the mainstream news outlets re- reacting by just simply parroting what the military says. Hey, the, this is all normal. Normal since when? Pay close attention to this, folks. Dave Hodges talks about this as well. Dave Hodges talks about, uh, the, uh, World War III, the, the recent military movements in America. He, he had captured, and if you go to, uh, thecommonsenshow.com, you can see where he talks about the, the footage taken in Uvalde, Texas, back on May 21st. It was a cargo, uh, with, uh, uh, on a train, and just massive amounts of military equipment. All right. The, you know, obviously the, the equipment wasn't armed. You know, however, the movements, and, and this is just one of one of a number of videos that he has shown. Is there an armed conflict coming in this country? Is it about protecting the people of the United States, or is it about 
mean, what's it about? Is it about going against people in the United States? We stand right now at the precipice of being taken apart from within. We stand at this precipice because we have allowed Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satora, we've given him a pass, we've given George W. Bush a pass, we've given everyone a pass, now it's time to to reap the unfortunate damage that has been uh, sown from within. So we need to pay very close attention to what's taking place here in this country. Very close. Yeah, and I want to hit on this news article. I know we're coming up against the top of the hour break. We can start now and get to the rest of it on the other side. Yesterday, this came out uh, from the Saudi press. United States blew up World Trade Center to create war on terror. You heard that correctly. The Saudi press still furious over the U.S. Senate's unanimous vote to approve a bill that allows the families of 9-11 victims to sue Saudi Arabia has come out and said the U.S. created 9-11 and blew up the World Trade Centers in order to create this war on terror. The article was written by a Saudi legal expert and claims that America threatens to expose documents that prove Saudi involvement in the attacks are part of a long-standing U.S. policy that he calls victory by means of archives. We're going to get into this a little bit on the other side, as it is um, important, but at the same time, it's also propaganda, from what I can tell. Well, I think I think much of it is, look, the 28 pages that were redacted were simply redacted, in my view, to protect the people, the Saudi, the relationships between the Saudis and the Bushes and the Saudis and the, the um, Republicans and Democrats in Congress. Yes, both. The business relationships, the oil, the gas, the assets, the banking, uh, everything is incestuous, but the criminal cabal within the CIA is responsible for a lot of the, uh, the the relationships that we see. But the 28 pages are just a mere drop in the bucket compared to really what is the truth out there. And the truth, folks, let me just say this. Uh, we, this was planned. I mean, 9-11 was planned, but to what end? To what end was to create this war on terror? You're correct, yes. But it was more than that. Um, the psychological conditioning, look at the Tavistock Institute, look at look at what has happened since 9-11. Look at how we gave up our freedom and are giving up, continue to give up our freedoms for the illusion of security. You know, on the other side, let me ask you a question. Would you track your kids via microchip? Would you allow that to take place? All ten of them, I would. Yep. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> You're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. We're going to be right back, right after the network break. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by blood. Welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I had to move some things around here on my desk. Sorry about that little lag there, but that's that's all right. Um, opening up this hour with a number of a number of issues. You know, it's interesting too. Um, we we've often talked, and uh, even some people think ad nauseum about the homosexual agenda and about the free speech. Uh, Canada has uh, the anti-transgender speech up there in Canada. You talk you talk bad about that? Well, there's a bill right now that would ban anti-transgender speech, including both gender identity and gender expression with up to two years in prison for violators. Now, think about that. You see, it's never, it's not about equal rights. It's not about civil rights. It's not about the rights of individuals. It's about taking away the freedoms to, uh, to, to, uh, adhere to the normal moral aspects of, uh, of society, the biblical aspects of society. It's, it's not what you think it is. It's much bigger than what you think it is. It's a huge deal and people need to understand that. Just as you need to understand about, about the, um, what the Pope is doing right now with uh, uh, meeting with, you know, or has done meeting with the, uh, as, as Tom Horn talked about, meeting with the uh, uh, Imam and in, in laying out the foundations for this new world religion. It, folks, um, I had mentioned earlier about Holtones Alive. I would urge everyone to go to HoltonesLive.com. You need it now more than ever. And uh, I, I had the opportunity to speak with my accountant uh, here again. We had we had some business to take care of, and he said, "Thanks for turning me on to." In fact, he had sent emails saying, "Thanks for turning me on to Whole Tones." Uh, then he slammed me. He says, uh, "It's not because of you." You know, I might add, we're we're friends. We've known each other for my goodness for a quarter of a century. Uh, laugh out loud. He said. Uh, he said, but uh, we've been playing it in the office. My partners and I find that it gives us better clarity and focus in dealing with numbers and you know how I like to deal with numbers now this is from my accountant and, and I had uh, uh, he had looked he did our taxes our corporate taxes and he looked at at various things and he said he asked me said, well, what are whole tones and, and I explained to him it's um, it's a company that uh, you know this Michael Terrell had developed this this these frequencies the, the these this music and so I rarely get any non-business emails from my accountant but th- this is one that uh, I was very very satisfied and very proud to get 
Yeah. So if you if you're if you're stressed, if you're overworked, or if you feel that way or unmotivated, uh, we do have a recommendation for you. And the recommendation is to go to wholetoneslive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E, toneslive.com. And we do use and we endorse, only endorse products that we use ourselves and believe in. And this is something that we use and believe in. They've, at wholetoneslive.com, they've got a collection of proven music therapy. If you want to help yourself reduce stress, ease your mind, and motivate you, you can get started today. You can listen to a free sample of this amazing music that heals and inspires and takes away all that background gunk. Trust me on this. Trust my accountant on this. My accountant's a good guy. He's a he's a Christian and, and he understands the frequencies of the Bible. He understands that uh the the frequencies can be used for good or for bad and uh the frequencies of King David, the, the biblical aspects of this. We had Michael Terrell on our show and he explained how this music was inspired by the music frequencies of King David. Go to the wholetoneslive.com and read about it. Read carefully. Download the samples and then go ahead and order the discs. You will you will see an immediate improvement. And whether it's trouble sleeping or dealing with PTSD, and this is something I really believe that people with PTSD if, if if you suffer from that, and so many people today suffer from that, check this out. This is for you. You know, this country, this country has, has we've got a generation of people, of, of young soldiers suffering from PTSD. Now, this is being uh, used at Walter Reed in studies there. Wholetonesalive.com. Not new age, it's biblically based. WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Again, WholeTones with a W. W H O L E TonesLive.com. And if you've used it, let me know. Send me a send send us an email. Studio at HagmanHagman.com. Let us know how you liked it. Um, <clears throat> but the, Joe, getting back to the issues at hand. Oh, one more thing I should mention too. Um, I still have a I still have a. a, a Several more shelf uh, on the shelf of, of books, uh, Stained by Blood. If you want it signed, just uh, go to stainedbyblood.com and and take a look at the upper right there. You'll see you'll see a place where uh, uh, for twenty bucks all, and that includes shipping. Twenty bucks that includes shipping. I'll sign it, personalize it, and send it out to you. Stainedbyblood.com. So uh, when this when this uh, print run is done, that's done. And, uh, very successful. I think I've, I've 5,000 plus books sold, uh, numerous good comments on Amazon. Um, a successful book signing and, and such. And, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll be a, a guest on a, uh, on a radio show here a week from Saturday talking about, uh, giving you the inside scoop on, on, uh, the book and the events. I think it's an hour and a half uh, interview. And I was on last Monday, the Hebrew Nation, with uh, Daniel Holdings, talking about it as well, among other things. But so um, it's still there, stainedbyblood.com, and for twenty bucks, that includes uh, shipping. I'll personalize the book to you, send it out to you, and it's uh. It, it, People like it, so it's good. 
and also uh, healthmasters.com. By the way, Ted Brower is going uh, to come back on with us on Friday, talking more about current events, headlines, and some other things unfinished from last Friday. So it's going to be a good show this coming Friday. Memorial Day weekend is coming up. I would urge everyone, too, to, to be very aware of your surroundings on Memorial Day weekend. If you're planning to spend some time in the nation's capital or wherever, some of the large cities, please understand that... Uh, um, we are living in a world that uh, you just don't know what can happen. And I do believe that as we progress down the time, as we check off the days off the calendar, I, I do believe that we're going to see some very strange things happening. And I don't believe, um, I, I think we're going to see an entirely different landscape, political landscape, subsequent to the conventions, both Republican and Democrat. There's some weird things happening with the cruise campaign. There's some words that weird things. Yeah, I said cruise yeah, campaign. What campaign? <laughs> no, I, I said campaign. You're right. What campaign? Did you know that um, there's some stuff going on with cruise still? Um, oh, Washington yeah. State GOP delegates. Yep. Okay. And you know, people think that this is all over, and it, you know, it's it's pretty much a done deal. But Washington State. Now, they hold the Republican primary today. They, they're, they're holding the Republican primary today. There is a twist with that. Forty of their 41 delegates that were selected this past weekend to attend the RNC in July are cruise partisans, cruise supporters. And they outnumbered Trump supporters at the state GOP convention in Pasco. What's this all about? What's going on here? Um, th- there are some backroom dealings that are taking place. It's not written in stone. I got an email from, from uh, uh, I'll say, a disgruntled listener saying, you know, you should be, uh, instead of talking about Cruz and Trump and Clinton and Sanders, you should be promoting Tom Hoefling. Now, we had Tom Hoefling as a guest on our program. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Huckabee, too. All right. Tom Hoefling is a, is a marvelous candidate. Is he still in the running? Yes. Um, but we're, we're, we're talking about topical issues here with respect to the, uh, what, what the, what the, uh, what's being, what, what's taking place within the framework of the establishment. So, just so you know, I mean, I don't, be- I, I really believe that there are going to be some historic events take place at both conventions. And it's likely that there will be violence, uh, I mean, it, it, both Philadelphia and Cleveland, the Democratic and Republican conventions this summer. Buckle up. Because it's going to be, um, there will be some some shenanigans that, that will take place that will turn into uh, some riotous events. I truly believe, and we're going to be there to cover it, God willing. But I mentioned before the, uh, the break. I just want to mention this as well. You know, consider this. Right now, there's a uh, the Canada's ruling party 
They've introduced a bill that would ban any type of anti-transgender speech. And that includes talking about gender identity, gender expressions, with two years in prison if you violate that bill. The bill is in, is an incremental extension of the existing Canadian hate speech laws. Now, if you're listening to this in Canada, consider the fact that we could be censored given the, this bill. Because we truly believe, and, and we have said this before, that this transgenderism, the, the homosexuality, the sodomy is anti-biblical and therefore not, obviously not uh, it's not right. This is not a civil rights issue or an equal rights issue. And people need to get the understanding or have the understanding that this is not about a, a person struggling with their sexual identity, that, that one in a, really in a million person, legitimately struggling with their sexual identity. That's not about that. It's not about protecting or affording that person uh, the same rights as any other person. This is an all-out full assault on our culture, on our society, and our way of life. And folks, understand this is biblical. But see, you look at Canada, this incremental extension of their existing hate speech laws, meaning that they already had hate speech, have hate speech laws up in Canada. How did we get there? How did they get there? Well, the progressives, the far left progressives up there, just as they are down here, the, there is actually a, a line of communication between the, the socialists, the, the Marxists, the Fabian socialists, the cultural Marxists, whatever you want to call them here in America, that are communicating with those in Canada. This is goes beyond, of course, the North American Union. You're talking about this uh, sharing the playbook and tactics. The bill in Canada seeks to amend the Canadian Criminal Code to expand to expand it to include any public commentary, any public speech or communication that promotes hatred on the basis of gender identity or gender expression. The problem is this. It's the interpretation of what promotes hatred. Does me saying or just saying that homosexuality or sodomy is a sin, it's an aberration, and it is not about, and, 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 uh, you know, promoting that is not about, uh, civil rights. Does that fall into the category of hate speech? I really see the day. Now, we only live a hundred miles or so from the Canadian border. I really see a day when we, members of our organization will be disbarred from entering Canada. I see that day coming. Think about that. Your Facebook postings or your social networking postings or your uh, public commentary will be used against you in the immediate future. This is what this is all about all about and and this bill up in Canada has teeth they're talking about two years in prison if you say something that could be considered hate speech this will include and in some cases has already included Islam for me to call Islam the cult that it is man that could be considered hate speech same thing goes with these transgender laws
and in the U.S. the federal judicial system right now, they're going to ultimately decide who will be charged. Um, uh, well, I'm sorry, in Canada, much like the U.S., the equivalent of our judicial system will decide who will be charged. See, as it in as in the U.S., the the Justice Department. Where are they getting their information from? Where are they getting their? Who is the Justice Department turning to for help with the formation of laws? Guess who? The homosexual activist groups who are proponents of hate speech laws like this. The LGBTQ community. Um. <laughs> Trudeau on May 17th. I don't know how many people caught this. Justin Trudeau, uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, he announced the existence of this bill in a a speech on May 17th, which happened to be International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. Now, do you know what biphobia is? Um... Yeah, you do. Phobia I mean, of bisexuals? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that's it. Biphobia. It's a fear. Uh it's a fear of um of uh let me get the exact terminology here. It's an aversion uh toward bisexuality, bisexual people either as a social group or as individuals. So yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there because you get the idea. Right, I mean, you do, but but the yeah. fact that Canada is this way right now, and what's taking place in Canada, folks, you can understand. Pla- taking place here, there's an, an article out. Obama's transgender bathroom directive is even worse uh-huh. than you think. Oh yeah, and it says, um, oh yeah, it goes into how much worse the uh, trans. This is what it says. Ben Johnson, a reporter of LifeSite News, did uh, discover that there was much more to the in the eight pages uh, that Obama issued on May 13th via his mouthpieces of the Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division, and the Department of Education Uh then was originally led on. Uh, And this goes on to say, here are even more um, directives. In the transgender letter, all issued in the name of creating and sustaining inclusive, supportive, safe, non-discriminatory communities for all students. One, school districts must allow biological males and females to spend the night together in the same hotel room on field trips. Two, colleges must let men who say they are transgender be roommates with one or more women. Three, school officials cannot even tell those young women or their parents in advance that their new roommate is a man without risking a federal lawsuit. Four, uh, the Dear Colleague letter is how the federal government defines transgender. Uh, Transgender is an entirely subjectively defined. A student becomes a member of the opposite sex the moment he or she feels like it. The instant he or she tells school officials about his or her feelings, they must immediately treat him or her as that gender. In the words of the Dear Colleague letter, 
When a student or the student's parent or guardian, as appropriate, notifies the school administration that a student will assert a gender identity that differs from the previous representation of records, the school will begin treating the student consistent with the student's gender identity. In other words, it's all the students say so. School districts are prohibited from even seeking medical diagnoses. And there is no minimum threshold required to qualify as transgender. There is no maximum to the number of times a student can change gen- genders. For some people, gender is not just about being male or female. In fact, how one identifies can change every day or even every few hours. That means one could be male during homeroom, female during gym class, male again before he gets on the bus, and the school district is bound to comply every step of the way. Also, schools must provide transgender students proper housing. The school must allow transgender students to access housing consistent with their gender identity and may not require transgender students to stay in single occupancy accommodations or disclose personal information when not required of other students. This means that the student who says he really is a female must be allowed to spend the night in the same room as female students such as his girlfriend's hotel room on field trips or even the room of a girl that isn't his girlfriend. Anyways, we know what this all boils down to. And this is, I mean, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) How... How... What... Where is the threshold of insanity start or end? Or does it? I mean, is there a threshold anymore? How insane are these policies? Oh, you can be a man at homeroom, a woman at gym class, <laughs> and a man by the time you're back on the bus and the school has to comply with that? Yeah. I mean... Uh, 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 the homosexuality, the homosexual agenda, the eugenics agenda, the assault on our culture is is grave. I mean, the threat is grave. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, uh, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over and abandoned them to vile afflictions and degrading passions. Now, I, mean, I can go on, but Romans also, 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 24 through 27. And Check it, that out. In the New Testament, it also talks about uh, how men and women give up the natural use for each other and in turn pervert that and go after one another, men for men and women for women. Yes. And in doing so, they pervert the creation of God. They, they do. Right. That's right. And, and mystery religions that, that are discussed, you know, um, Judaism, Christ, uh, Christianity, Islam, in, in their orthodox forms, each of these religions regards homosexuality as an abomination. Now, when you look at this, how can that be? And, uh, you know, but, but, but pagan cultures have no such prohibition. Go on. How is Islam uh, exactly going to take? Are they going to be forced 
No, to to, no, to be no. uh, tolerant toward their children changing genders. Well, see, okay. Obviously, we're or not they talking. exempt from it. There will be a calling. I'll just say that. And this is a, a complex issue in terms of the tactics and the modus operandi. But, but look at the homos. Okay. And again, this is why you've got to go back to, to you. You wonder why Hillary Clinton is so far unscathed in in the um, in all of the scandals in which she has and all the criminal activity in which she's been engaged. To think, you know, think about this. Well, Hillary Clinton is, is a big proponent of eugenics, a big fan of Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger, of course, a big eugenicist who, uh, also advocates genocide, especially of the black race. And you need to understand that the Tavistock Institute, the CFR, and, and other organizations are, who are backing Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton, uh, understand where sh- the heights to which she will take this country when it comes to hate speech, when it comes to, to social engineering and taking us down via the destruction of our nuclear god family. And only within paganism, uh, pagan cultures, only within pagan cultures does homosexuality, pansexuality, and such are allowed to exist, not within Judaism, Christian, Christianity, or Islam. That's why they've got to, in this new world order, they've got to outlaw the uh, the basis of all three religions and to make it one religion that is tolerant of all uh, paganistic uh, cultural aspects, including but not limited to homosexuality and, 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 and you know, bisexuality and all of the sexual perversions because it will be based in a pagan architecture. It will be structured via a pagan architecture. And shamanism, even. How many people know about that? Many aspects of shamanism had homosexual content. And many, and many of the gods, the spirits, the, the divinities of the world have been associated with, with, uh, homosexuality. This according to Judy Gon, or Gron, who, who has written about this. Uh, for example, in Tahiti, they, there were special divinities for homosexual worship. The, uh, ancient Shinto temples of Japan display scenes of sexual ritual orgies, similar to those of, of, uh, the, uh, Romans, the Roman orgies. All right. This is a cultural thing that's that's uh, that's pagan in its roots. And pansexualism, the Illuminati, the Jesuit Vatican led homosexual bishops. All right. Uh, the, the Illuminati bankers again, who are nothing more than Illuminati or a Jesuit slash Vatican homosexuals. The, uh, they financed intellectuals who recommended ways to weaken our society to accept their tyranny because in order to, to overtake us, they've got to weaken certain aspects of our culture. This is why it's a big deal. Look at the planks of communism. Look yes. At Alice Bailey's yes. point plan to yes. destroy America all being done, like you said, from the inside out. Well, yes, yes. And you know, this also goes into the, um, uh, the, the current, um, I'll, I'll say the illuminist thing, because when you look at, uh, when you look at the age of Aquarius, 
All right, Christians and and Christians and others, uh, heterosexuals and homosexuals, regardless, we are being pushed into this Aquarian society. Remember the song Age of Aquarius, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 60s? Well, all right, this is a demonic push. And, and again, this is important for people to understand because it, it, it infiltrates. It, it just think in the back of your Close your eyes for a minute, unless you're driving, in which don't do that. But, but you know, if you close your eyes for a minute, and, and, and just picture this, picture this nice, Big table, your dining room table, and they've got you've got this white, beautiful white, six hundred thread count Egyptian white cotton tablecloth, and you've got printer's ink, small bottle of printer's ink, and you tip that over onto this beautiful white cotton, high thread count Egyptian cotton white tablecloth. Watch it. Can you see it in your mind? You've got the initial spill, and then it starts spreading. It starts wicking out all through that tablecloth. And soon, all across the table, as it wicks out from the original spill, you can you can almost see the threads being stained one by one, and in the and the ink inch, inching its way toward the edge of the table. Well, this is what's taking place to, right now via a cultural revolution that's demolishing our country from within the modern forms of subjugation and subjection are marked by certain subtleties, for example, the subtleties of language that serves to elevate these agendas, the agendas of of infant or unborn child murder and, and the perversion of our sexuality, the assault of our nuclear family, the homosexual populace and the rest divided between bisexual and questionable. Right now, the goal right now is to have at least half of the homosexuals. And, and this is important for people to think about this. Right now, half of the homosexuals or people who identify who, who raise their hand are you are you a homosexual and they raise their hand yeah I'm a homosexual here's the goal uh, of the paganistic luciferian illuminati led powers what they want to do is they want to have at least half of the populace Identifying with a perversion of some kind. Not only do they want that, that, not only do they want the homosexual community, the LGBT community, separated from the population and protected as a protected class, they want subclasses within that community. So they can hang, you know, hook their wagons onto pushing pedophilia and pushing every perversion imaginable. This speaks to transhumanism as well. The subtleties involved in what we're seeing, 
talks about the trans evolution of society, the subtleties of of transhumanism. This opens the door for, well, a lot of things. And you know, I mean, we talked about this. We talked about the Steve Quell talks about the the various angels named in, in the Book of Enoch and in the perversions, some of the perversions that they were tasked with. The homosexual and lesbian activists are not going to tell you or your children the realities because, well, they're just not going to. This is the destruction of Western civilization. Nothing less than that. Please understand that. That it is. Pederastic uh, heroes and deities... Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't know what pederism is, well, you know what it That's is. That's pedophilia. It's a little different. Um, family show. Let's move on. But uh, so, so understand, this is a little bit bigger than than um, okay than what uh, what we're being led. Well, let's move along here. We got some other news coming out of the TSA today. Yes. TSA boots head of security amid. Uh, anger over the long lines at the airports. The Transportation Security Administration ousted its head of security this week because the agency is seeking a different approach, not because of any wrongdoing, TSA Administrator Peter uh, Neffinger said Tuesday. Excuse me. Kelly Hogan was removed from his post amid an uproar over long lines at airport security checkpoints and intense scrutiny of bonus payments. Neffinger said he had hoped to find another place for Hogan's talents within the TSA. Given the specifics of daily volume, I felt it was important to have a different management approach going forward than we've had in the past, uh, he told USA Today. Anyway, the uh, lawmakers have recently blasted the TSA at a hearing for paying bonuses at a time when watchdog tests revealed screeners routinely failed to find weapons at checkpoints delayed travelers from coming through security. The hearing was one of a series where whistleblowers denounced the agencies for rewarding top officials with large bonuses while retaliating against workers who complained about unfair practices. There is a whole lot going on in the TSA right now, but people are not being held accountable. Uh, I'm not going to go through and read this whole article. But Kelly Hogan has been removed from his position as head of security at the TSA uh, following the hearing on May 12th on mismanagement of TSA. Uh, Now, the question is, will the security lines, will will anything change? Nothing is going to change. Exactly. No. Exactly. Um, uh, This goes into some statistics from 2015 versus travels. 2016 how the uh, there has not been a notable increase in travel yet the yep. wait times yep. have increased and, and 10 15 let me you know what joe we should ask our listeners should we not 
attempt would it not be right to attempt to uh to recreate or to, to redo what what infowars did and it did successfully i mean Alan Jones did a great job with that opt-out week shouldn't shouldn't we take this opportunity given the fact that the head of the tsa has, has been used as a, a you know has been sacrificed on the altar of of uh politics now shouldn't we use this time to to really uh promote a an opt-out in other words say no i'm not going to do this i mean can't we can't we get behind something or start a movement like this can, can we be like that or or, or is it for not i don't know i mean coach dave dobmeyer did a heck of a job with target and we need to keep pressure on target but but my question is, would it work with the TSA, or are people just so dumbed down that you know it it it, it just it it wouldn't make a difference with the TSA? Can, can we get enough people out there? Yeah. My question is, to you guys, can we get enough people out there to 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 affect a change by getting TSA kicked the hell out? Because we are gonna we're gonna put our foot down and say that we're not gonna fly. I mean, can we do I it? I wish that'd be the case, but I don't know. It happened once, and I think that opportunity. Uh, for whatever happened, was squandered away. But I believe if it were to happen again, we would see the ugly face of false flag terror attacks. Yeah, uh, you know something. I really believe that we need to do something, and folks. We, do. we don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. And I'm and but we need to put our foot down. Coach Dave Dobmeyer, America's coach, ptsalt.com. Uh, assault and light brigade. You know, he single-handedly took on target. Uh, well, when I say that, I mean, he, he, you know what he he did, and, and their stock fell millions of dollars and, and billions. billions of dollars. And I believe that we can do the same thing. We have to first of all, we have to keep pressure on, on this. Stocks yeah, we we have to keep pressure on this. I, there's so much to get into as well, but before I get further, I'm going to mention this because uh, yesterday, yesterday, back up a few points. Okay. Well, we need to we need to keep pressure on Target and say we're not going to go in there. We're not going to buy from you. We're not going to because because of your insane policy. And and I've been getting people have been getting through tips at, at uh, HagmanReport.com. People have been sending a lot of information about various perverse activities taking place at Target. Just want to let you know that we're collecting that information. Let me back up to the last night's program very quickly because uh, the Tom Horn and Steve Quayle did say something and and, and this is so critical. If you're watching the larger picture of the the one world religion being coalesced or coalescing, and the new world order being uh, created, and as I said on on Hebrew Nation when I was interviewed, and, I was, and I've said this on our show before, folks, please understand all of the events that we're seeing today. Consider a tapestry. Consider a mosaic, and all of these little. And, and you know what a mosaic is? It's 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 actually a um, it's a call it's a it's an aggregate of, of of small little pieces. Sometimes the pieces are bigger; the other pieces are bigger than than some. So you might have pieces of various sizes that create this mosaic. This is what we're seeing today, and every piece represents, in my view, or at least in my experience and in my example represents a line of battle, a field of battle, a theater of battle. You might have a huge piece. We'll say, let's say your mosaic that we're looking at in this example is the size is the size of a dining room table, maybe a corner of that table. There's this area, you know, maybe uh, a two foot by two foot area. 
That's the homosexual agenda. Well, inside that area, there are not only is that like a big, big piece, but there are smaller pieces inside that two-by-two area. And every piece represents a battle. What I'm saying is all of this, all of everything that we're seeing today are, are, are pieces of a greater tapestry. And we have to connect. We have to look at. The, we we all have to look at the tapestry, at the greater picture, at the great big mosaic to understand how everything interconnects. So what Tom Horn and Steve Quayle said last night, I wanted to hit this really quick. Pope Francis, the Catholic Pope, met with Sheikh Ahmed El Tayeb mm-hmm. Monday. Now, France, and, and this is something that was kind of t- mentioned, but it really wasn't. I mean, Steve Quell talked, you know, he drove it home a little bit, but I really want to drive this home. Think about what was said by Pope Francis when he met with this imam, this Sheikh Ahmed, on Monday. What did he say? Our meeting is the message. What does that mean? Our meeting is the message. Now, you could take someone like Rush Limbaugh or uh, Sean Hannity or, or Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson or name the pundit, okay? And you could talk, they could talk about this particular meeting between the Pope and an Islamic imam, Islamic sheikh, and they could discuss the, the, the uh, uh, various aspects of it. Uh, but when you look deep digger into this, and you hear this, our meeting is the message. What does that message mean? What is this Vatican, perhaps non-canonically elected Pope, as Tom Horn suggested or said is possible, what does that message convey? Especially considering that Sheikh Ahmed al-Tayyib is the Grand Imam of Cairo's Al-Azhar Mosque, as you pointed out earlier, and described him as the highest figure in Sunni Islam. But what does this mean? Our meeting is the message. Think deeper and think outside of the box. When in history, Joe, has a, a Pope and, a, and an Imam met? Never. I, I, never? I don't know. Not Perhaps not, not, not at that level. Right. This meeting occurred at a time when when there were more Islamic attacks on Christians than ever in in modern history. And, and you got this Imam invited to the Apollistic uh, Palace at the Vatican. The meeting, it came in the context of some interesting statements that the Pope had been making about Islam and Christianity, and you had pointed this out. Michael Snyder wrote about this. We had Michael Snyder on our program before, uh, I think it was last week or the week prior. Last no, week. Okay. Here, here's one example pointed out by Michael Snyder about this meeting. <clears throat> Today, I don't think that there is a fear of Islam as much or as such, but of ISIS in its war of conquest, which is partly drawn from Islam. Now, this, um, let's see here, this came from uh, the Pope, I believe. It's true that the idea of conquest is inherent in the soul of Islam. However, it is also possible to interpret the objective in uh, Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus sends his disciples to all nations and 
terms of the same idea of conquest. Really? Yeah. He said he was that? comparing Jesus to, he said to ISIS. To, yes. Yes, he did. You know, the Pope also said that, that he dreaded hearing about the Christian roots of Europe because to him they take on this colonialist overtone. He uh, And he called on European nations to integrate Islam, Muslim migrants into the con- uh, continent. All right, so you've got a one-world order pope. You've got this new world order agent of the new world order pope. And, and no surprise there. But going back to the essence of this, our meeting is the message. That message, I submit to you, that message is the unification of Islam and Christianity. That's what's going to be the takeaway from here. That's what's going to happen. And in order to do that, you've got to pervert the the true you've got to pervert true Christianity and you've got to change the cult of Islam to accommodate the the changes there but at the end of the day you're going to have this alien savior perhaps because are we not did we not they talk about this last night Mm -hmm. about the alien uh, savior but I, I believe and the other thing too I want to mention um, and just drive this home too. The title is seem is confused me a little bit. The Islamic Antichrist. It doesn't mean that there the Antichrist will be Islamic, but the but a byproduct perhaps of the Islamic um, agenda. I'm glad Tom Horn had cleared that up last night because I'm not so sure uh, that the Antichrist is going to be totally Islamic, but we'll set the stage and the pattern and the uh, uh, foundation for an Antichrist. But, again, I really, really, really watch the Pope and certainly understand the degree in which that statement, our meeting is the message, those five words, it's absolutely incredible to me. Here's a report. Uh, from ProgressiveToday.com. Yep. Illegals were told to vote for Democrats or face deportation. According to a new report from the extract, illegal immigrants in the United States in 2012 were sent to states with lax voter ID laws and told they would be deported if they didn't vote Democrat. <clears throat> from the report, illegals told told to vote Democrat or face deportation. Uh, documentarian Joanne Livingston has been working with her husband, Luke, to take a comprehensive look at the ongoing border crisis as experienced by the illegals themselves. After numerous interviews, she recently reported a number of astounding revelations that only confirmed some long-held suspicions among conservatives. Most notably, she indicated that witness after witness after witness asserted they were given voter registrations prior to the 2012 elections and sent to states without voter ID laws. Upon receiving the instructions, Livingston explained they were informed that unless they show up and vote for the Democratic ticket, they would be arrested and deported. Another shocking allegation revolves around proposed legislation she reportedly accessed during research for the documentary. If passed, she noted the immigration judges would have their hands effectively tied when addressing the overwhelming overwhelming problem of illegals skipping their court date. 
It goes on to say, it isn't difficult to believe, is it? Democrats paint illegal immigration as an emotional issue, but really it is more about votes for them. And uh, there is more to this story. This information is older, but just coming out now. Um, oh, goodness, I lost my train of thought. There was a story about illegal immigrants having to do something. Oh, about how the... Uh, ICE agents, yeah, yeah, Border Patrol yeah, agents, yeah, were yeah. were told not to show up at the deportation yeah. hearings in order so that the immigrants would be able to stay and the judge would have no choice but to let them back oh, into yeah. society. Yeah, I thought that was outrageous. Well, and it's they're telling law enforcement officials to break the law. Well, right, right, right. I, I, I mean, mean, if you get a traffic ticket and the cop doesn't show up you, to well, stand yeah. against you or, or to talk. He catches you speeding. With right. Norm- normally it's he rescheduled, right, unless you say, hey, and you got a good attorney, and you say, hey, it's BS, and then it's dismissed. But you can bet if you get a ticket, that right. cop's going to be there 10 right. times out of 10 times right. unless it is rescheduled right. for other reasons. Right. But these, it's like getting a speeding ticket and the cop's being told, you know, we're going to well, get this, this is kind worse of than a speeding ticket. Oh, right. The, 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 yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. I, I couldn't believe when I read that article yesterday that actual Border Patrol and ICE agents were told to stand down from deportation hearings. It's gotten that bad. I mean, it's not enough to to legalize and ship in illegal immigrants, but actually catching illegal immigrants. Right. How many times have we seen stories of illegal immigrants being deported who have murdered somebody only to come back to this country and do it again? The, 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 yeah, the repeat offenders, I'm not going to, um, I'm having trouble with my R's today, but the repeat offenders uh, are, are, are immense. This country has a problem with allowing criminals to stay, obviously stay within its borders. Um, we can deport. Folks, we can deport millions 20 million people we can do that it wouldn't take that much i mean people said well you really can't the logistics behind it would be just nuts no i think if we privatize the manner in which we do it i think i think it could be done with the uh, dispatch and expedient uh, with expedience we can dispatch these uh, these people out of the country and we need to do that but yes you're as you said joe the uh, ice and border patrol saying up oh, they're being told not to show up for the hearings and that basically is an automatic win for the person in this country mm-hmm. but not a great percentage of the time those people won't show up for the hearings either <laughs> so it, it's it's a it's it's a push in a way I don't know how many people saw this. We're getting close to the top of the hour. Uh, Stan Dale joining us here. But uh, um, Tom Brokaw, my goodness. You know, it, people look up to him, and um, many people look up to him. Tom Brokaw, this journalist. And, and he, here's what here's what the old-school journalists are, all right? This kind of BS. Brokaw gave a commencement speech at the University of Mississippi, and he told students that gun ownership, if you own a gun, it's just going to lead to more terrorism. The stupidity is, may I say, appalling. Brokaw said this. You ready for this? 
No. Here's this quote. I'm appalled by the determination of organizations and individuals to arm more people without any appreciation for the consequence of even more lethal weapons than are missed, he said. More guns and more firearm tolerance will mean more homegrown acts of terror. You know, it, it's, peop, it's him and people like him invited to these liberal uh, cesspools of, of, uh, of mind control and uh, social engineering. Seriously, this is just—they uh, know nothing. Well, no, I, I, let me let me let me rephrase that. This is social engineering at its worst. Um, I just keep everywhere I turn. I don't know how many people saw the the uh, transgender man that uh, leading the faith-based agency appointed by Obama. What? I just, uh, folks, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I yeah, mean, we, it, I, it, we covered yeah, this. Yeah, we did cover it, but it hurts my eyes. I know. Okay, uh, this, uh, uh, what was the name? Uh, Barbara Satin, the assistant. Yeah, I work. said say, I kept yeah, saying yeah, Satan. Yeah. Well, she might as well be. I mean, she's an active member of the United Church of Christ. I mean, I don't know. Can, can we put a picture on YouTube on this? Um, can I send this to Eric? Because uh, if, I, if I have to suffer... If I, I don't know if I have this to. This looks like an old uh, uh, man. I went. Yeah. Uh, well, don't you know what? It. I'll tell you what. No, I'm not going to do that to spare, our listeners. Spare the audience and viewers. It just if you just search under images, Barbara Satin, S A T I N. Oh my word. Okay, faith based uh, United Church of Christ. Oh my goodness. I I don't know. Um this week, though, tomorrow, I just want to also mention this. Tomorrow is going to be open lines. The second two hours, the first hour, we got a, a kind of a good, uh, a good, a few things, good things planned. Um, Friday's going to be Ted Brower. Now, we also have Carl Gallops. Hey, how many PP Simmons? Carl Gallops? We got the uh, Carl Gallops scheduled for next week. And, uh, that should be fun. That's going to be a great program. Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. Now, how many, how many people out there? I'm looking at our vast studio audience here at the uh, former Ed Sullivan Theater here in New York City, <laughs> although that brought into our northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, All right. See, sorry, guys. That's Deborah, Barbara Satin. Barbara Satin. Yeah. If your eyes, if you, if you don't want to gouge your eyes out after looking at that, I mean, seriously. That, that's nightmare you know, material. There was an there was an article on Drudge where it said um, how two brothers became two sisters. Oh gosh. I don't know why that picture reminds me. Back this with is the messed Dale. up world we live in. Yes, Dan Dale will be joining us after this top of the hour break. We're going to get into some stuff uh, we do every Tuesday with Stan. StanDale.com. Go to show images on the right hand side. Yeah. See what he's going to talk about tonight. We'll be right back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Or 
its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this edition of uh, the Hagman and Hagman Report. So glad you've joined us. So glad you're with us. If you're watching us live on YouTube, you can see us. Hello. We can see you, too. Just kidding. I, you know, I will get an email saying, we mean you can see us. Um, and if you're listening to this, regardless of where you're listening to this, uh, by computer, if you're sitting in front of your computer, God bless you. If you're listening to this uh, broadcast with your your significant other, your husband, your wife. We've got uh, we've got actual families that listen to this and uh, church groups that meet to listen to our broadcast. This is broadcast is being pumped into a diner at an undisclosed location as we speak. Want to just uh, okay, everyone in the diner, just go ahead and stand up and do the wave. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure the people there uh, uh, appreciate that. But if it's Tuesday, it's Tuesdays with Stan. And Stan Deo is, is, a, is a great friend of the program. Stan Deo is is one of the, I mean, he's got character, integrity, and certainly a great understanding of all things uh, science-related. He is the our go-to guy. You know, we've got certain people we go to for certain things. When it comes to physics and and science and stuff like that at Stan Dale. But before we bring him on, I want to ask er- everyone in our audience, you know, you're going to hear Stan tonight. He's not not quite feeling all that good, all right? Here's what I'd like everyone to do tonight. When you hit your knees tonight, or even where you're at right now, I want you to pray for Stan Dale. Pray, pray a hedge of protection over him from attacks from Satan, especially pray for his a miraculous healing of Stan because he suffered some both trauma and chronic injuries and impairments um, we need Stan we, we need him a lot I need him a lot Joe needs him a lot we, you and I need him a lot please folks when you hit your knees tonight 
make sure you pray for Stan Dale. His health? And Holly, too. She needs it as well. But Stan, not as well. Now, and pray for energy for Stan and for rest. Vitality and vigor, but also rest. We need him around. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's with us tonight. He's not feeling too well. So, folks, um, we're, we're not going to keep him the entire hour. Okay? Um, we're not going to hold him to the entire hour. We're going to let him go whenever he wants to. Because, yeah, it's uh, not feeling too well. But please, and send him an email of support. Support Standale through his website, through his products, his books. And keep keep both him and Holly in your prayers. Stan, thanks for joining us, man. I know I know it's rough, but God bless you, brother. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for on. that. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I guess I am a bit tired from all this pain. I I just uh, you know I'm dealing with it. But anyway, I'm still working on this uh, lecture stuff for the uh, Colorado Springs lecture. And uh, when is that, Stan? That's. Uh, 15th, 16th, 17th of July, I think it is, at the uh, at the Marriott there. Um, and I, you know, I've Call been working it, on Holly's book, trying to get it um, uh, ready for press and correcting errors yeah. that I made. And it, it's an amazing thing, a real challenge to go through and organize all the pages of text and pictures in her books or anybody's books, for that matter to get them to all line up properly within the margins and not leave too much space at the bottom of each page. And when you're doing that with, you know, nearly 600 pages and condensing it down, it uh, it takes a while. And so I've been doing that instead of doing my lecture stuff. So now that I'm staying up till about 2 o'clock every morning to try to catch up and get two lectures done, one on her book and one on the um, the Atlantis and the, and the flood, uh, the cause of the flood, that, that meteorite that we've talked about. And I've put a picture of the front cover of Holly's new book, um, which should be out of the press by the end of June. They, they're, they'll roll presses pretty soon. Uh, it's called Prophetic Perils, and uh, she covers quite a bit of stuff in that. Um, there's 20 chapters, but um, I'll be covering those in the lecture. Uh, the, the first uh, I think probably four chapters are on things that I've dealt with uh, at Great Lakes myself. You know, earthquakes and volcanoes and patterns and what's happening. And her book is basically telling you why you need to prepare and what the signs are that are being revealed in the news. I know, uh, you know, bits and pieces have been done by other authors about this, but this is a typical Holly fashion, a, a um, one-stop shop for all the things that you need to know about in prophecy and current events and some of it uh, one chapter on the falling away in the church you know the apostasy in the church was really a hard thing for her to write it was just so demoralizing to see how many pastors had uh, led the sheep astray or had, uh, betrayed them with funds and various other things they've done I just when I read that chapter I just I wanted to weep it was so bad to see that happening to the church um, and of course, you know, other climate changes that she's uh, addressing, like wildfires and, you know, um, thousand year events that are occurring two or three at a time now, instead of waiting a thousand year, you know, great rainfalls and fires and hurricanes. Um, and, um, you know, she also covered things that I've been looking at in the sun, uh, 
likelihood of occurring to an event and various other signals in the sun that it's it's going through a, a change. And I've talked about this on the show a number of times. Because, because we have a scientific community that in the main believes that the universe is 15 billion years old, we uh, cannot get reports from them that tell us, well, you know, the sun could go red giant in a hundred years or a thousand years. They're talking millions and hundreds of millions. And so everybody feels rather comfortable that things will go on as they always have and there won't be any big upsets in, in, in nature. But uh, I was just reading a, a book I haven't quite finished yet, uh, written by Jay Hall, who has a master's in science over in, in Texas. And uh, he listens to the show. And, and thank you, Jay, for you know uh, sending me the information to get your book. I got it on uh, Amazon as an e-book. And he covers uh, in a paper, it's a book, but I'll tell you what, it's like a doctoral dissertation on why traditional science has got it all wrong, why they are missing the boat of how old we, the universe and the earth is. And um, I'm definitely going to plug his book in my lecture because Christians need to read it to share with uh, people that are diehard scientists in the traditional scientific school to, to get them to wake up and see that catastrophes is what cause things, not gradual inch or micro inch or whatever erosion of the Grand Canyon by a river flow. That's just ridiculous. There's so many things against stuff like that that I don't know why they don't study it. But anyway, <coughs> uh, I, I've enjoyed reading the book so far because there are just so many things as a scientist that I see in there that are spot on. I'd say, yes, well, that, that why does traditional science see that? And because of that, uh, you know, we have a younger Earth and a younger sun, and the sun is not going to get to be very old. We know from the Revelation in John that at the end of the millennial period that the Earth and the sun and the universe, everything will disappear. It will pass away in a fervent heat and be replaced by a new heaven and a new Earth. And I suspect what's going to happen is the sun will go uh, red giant or nova and destroy our solar system and probably others nearby. Um, and then, of course, the universe will just melt down itself. Um, but it's not billions of millions of years. It's like in thousands at the most. Uh, a thousand and a bit, I think, would be the, the proper term. So I look at the sun, and when Raleigh's writing about it here in the book and saying the sun is behaving irregularly, you know, erratically, I can see that it's going to be moving closer to its extinction uh, protocol a lot faster than people thought. And we're going to see fulfillments of this as the sun throws off a cloud of dust and uh, the light of it changes and becomes brighter and the cloud of dust filters the light and makes it red on the moon so that the moon looks like, like it turns the color of blood. All these things are clear and real and present dangers in spite of what mainstream science says they just they just won't listen to the truth of their of, you know in arguments that they could buy you know they could understand anyway i uh, i i like that uh, chapter on her, in her book we talked a lot about it while she was writing and and she goes on to do you know bioweapons and uh, you know uh, disease pit and uh, our lack of defense and how the government has actually been putting uh, contagious disease research labs right in the middle of highly populated cities and areas 
you know, right next door to some shopping center, you might find a little lab hidden away there that's working with with viruses and, and stuff that could kill the entire country. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, the, the insanity of what she's finding, what we're doing, is just beyond me. I, I, I shake my head. And she also covers in one of the chapters uh, about famine, the increase of that, and and the idiocy of stuff like. Uh, taking corn that we would feed livestock and ourselves with and turning it into ethanol for fueling cars. This is madness. We're, we're going to go starving because we want to drive down the street and look cool or something, and, you know, we're giving our food away to make ethanol. That's going to have to change. And, you, you know, the other thing that she's covered, which is just uh, when I was hearing her, what she was finding in there, China, uh, Japan, uh, Europe, uh, a lot of countries are buying real estate property here in the states, not for housing, but they're buying farms and yeah. buying water supplies, and, yeah. and they're just taking our natural resources we need to live on, and they're owning it and sending the stuff back to their own countries. Uh, I, can you believe that? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, um, Stan, when I when I was uh, reading about that. Um, the first thing that came to my mind isn't aren't there any laws that would prohibit governments from doing that from taking over even though it's a natural well i guess i'll just say uh natural bill of sale or natural sale or regular routine sale um it would be to me counterintuitive to allow that to happen and therefore i would think that the federal government would have something to say about it but it, they don't that I can find. I mean, yeah, I know Australia is thinking about it pretty seriously because they got such a small production area for the, you know the landmass they've got, um, and the Chinese are I think the Chinese are trying to buy uh, a very very well the largest uh, cattle ranch in Australia, and they, there's been talk in their uh, parliament uh, about uh, how do we limit the amount of foreign ownership when they can buy it through proxy companies and all kinds of stuff and you know China's the biggest defender down there and they're probably the biggest defender here in this country but people should have made laws it's hindsight to say okay this much property uh, you know is national trust and should not be allowed to be sold overseas no matter what um, but it, it, it's moving us toward this one world government control of all you know arable land and water resources and energy and it, it's just, they don't want you to be a country anymore. They want you to be a part of the great world, you know, population, which is fine right. if Jesus is running it, but not when greedy, <laughs> you know, politicians and uh, warring agencies are running. It's just, you know, I, I, it makes you almost schizophrenic to have to argue for, yeah, a, a world government sharing resources and everybody getting a fair shake. That's a great idea. And then say, no, I don't like what's coming down the pike as far as the man-made <laughs> efforts to form this global uh, dictatorship. Uh, it, it, you're kind of torn between the two, you know. You can see the logic of it, but not the people running it, or will be running it anyway. No, no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Favorite things to complain about. And then, of course, you know, we've got, uh, I, I, I hope I'm not offending too many of your listeners about, uh, you know, uh, the gay behavior, uh, but uh, the increase of that has just astounded me. The percentage of, of the population that's gay means that you're, you're uh, 
reproduction rate is going to drop and your civilization will die if you don't reproduce fast enough. And to see it becoming such a thing in the community where you can't speak uh, certain words or go uh, go to the toilet without having somebody of the opposite sex come in and say, oh, I'm transgender, you know, move over. I, I, I'm just astounded by these things happening so rapidly and turning us into a, you, you know, a mess, a mess. Well, you know, and we've spoken so much about that, Stan, about uh, the homosexual agenda, the minority. I mean, it's such a slim minority who identify as homosexuals, I mean, in in reality. Uh, but the money behind it makes it makes it appear that it's it's a massive, well, it is a massive movement, but the numbers are... Um, uh, I mean, three percent perhaps is 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 about what uh, is an accepted number of LGBTQ uh, members. Now you've got, uh, I mean, true LGBTQ, but but you've got that three percent dictating, governing ninety-seven percent. It would seem to me if we would just show up, we we could win on the numbers alone. But uh, you know, you've got this uh, this silence from the pulpits and and the silence from uh, Christian men and women, the protectors. See, I look at it this way. I'm a, I'm a protector of my family, and 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 they're encroaching. Among other things, they are encroaching and taking away rights from my family. And uh, to me, I, I look at it as having to stand up and say, "No, you're not going to do this to me or my family, and and certainly not my community or my country." But not, I mean, in that order, I suppose. And it's because it's biblically, biblically, uh, it's a biblical abomination. It's an abomination in the eyes of God. But it's part, to me, as I said before, part of a larger mosaic and a larger tapestry of a, this uh, cultural uh, assault against our, our faith and our morals and our integrity and our society. That's my view. It is. And, and if you look at history, I mean, long time history, but way beyond the United States, back into the, you know, B.C. period in the Sumerian Valley and stuff, men and women were different, and, and women had, uh, you know, a, a, a privacy that was given to them. And now then, with these new uh, social laws or, or mores, uh, a woman cannot go into uh, a restroom and feel, you know, totally protected and, and yeah. uh, private. Because some turkey might come in there and say, oh, I'm, you know, uh, I'm a woman this week. I feel like a woman. Well, you know, this is going to lead to crime and all kinds of problems. And it is <laughs> destroying the fabric of our, of our culture. I, I just... Mm. Well, it, the further we move away from the Bible, uh, you know, the commandments, the... the, the, the everything the within the Bible, the precepts yeah. of the Bible, the further we move away from that the more trouble we get into and of course uh, to me and I, and I see that we are we are under the yoke of, of a tyrannical luciferian agenda um, god sir or, uh, lucifer certainly is the uh, lord over our earthly realm here and it's certainly uh, uh you, you know I, you're right, man. I mean, you're right. It's just, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. I mean, tw- even 10 years ago, would you would you have thought of this 10 years ago, uh, 15 no. years ago? Yeah, I, no, I, absolutely I, I, not. Yeah. Not even five years ago. They've uh. done everything they can, these globalists, uh, to destroy America. Uh, everything that comes out of their mouth as far as legislation and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, PC-type uh, dictionaries is designed 
to destroy, to fragment the culture and the, and the population of this country, and they're doing it. Right. Uh, it's, you know, you want to strangle some of these people. I get so irritated with it. <laughs> well, well, call me up when you do, because I'll back you up. I'll give you a backup. Uh, we'll, we'll both be a sight for sore eyes, yeah. but we can, we can, you know, between the two of us. Was, when Holly was writing this book, she was just, there would be nights and she'd just sit up there and you'd see the look on her face was absolute desperation. Just, you know, she says, I, I just cannot believe all this is happening so quickly. She says, it's, it's terrible, but it's fulfilling prophecy and people need to realize that. It's, I, I knew about certain things that she was writing about. You know, I'd read or seen a news report on, uh, you know, the Islamic State or on, you know, uh, rise of paganism and the academy and stuff like that but when she put it all together with all the instances not just in the united states but in australia and china and, and, and uh, the middle east even and in europe i thought goodness gracious i didn't realize that it was happening so widespread all these other populations they're they're getting it in the, in the uh, neck is just like we are yeah uh, mm. no speaking right. of getting in the neck <laughs> That's, of course, way the uh, believers and, and people who won't take the mark of the beast in the, in the tribulation period get uh, dealt with. They chop their head off. Well, that's just an extension of what they're doing in the Middle East. I mean, there are a number of the Islamic states over there that beheading is the, you know, the, the death de jour, you know. Uh, hey, let's get rid of people that are against the state or the religion and uh, chop their heads off. And this is increasing. Holly's covered the number of beheadings showing it. You know, year by year, how many places are, are doing that and how many people have been beheaded for stupid stuff, too, I might add. But that's coming under this new Islamic, um, uh, Christian, or something Islamic, um, one world religion, that Chrislam, whatever is coming. They're going to use that, I'm sure. And I've yeah. done shows with uh, Catholic uh, radio shows here in the last few weeks, uh, some in uh, New Zealand and Australia. And they're Catholic. They aren't, uh, you know, evangelicals like we are. But uh, I'm surprised when I hear them talking about the same problems and being dissatisfied with the Pope, thinking he's a traitor, the current Pope Francis. And uh, there's a, a large migration from the Catholic Church to the home Bible study groups and evangelicals because of their disenchantment with what's happening in the Vatican. But uh, America. Yeah. yeah. No, um before your arrival tonight, we were talking about the meeting between um, the Sunni Sheikh and the Pope at the uh, Vatican Palace. I don't know whether you saw that. Um, an interesting, I mean, really an interesting situation um, where the Pope said, asked a comment about the meeting between the Sunni Sheikh this imam, head imam of the, the the highest imam of the Sunni uh, sect of Islam, and and the Pope, and the Pope uh, asked about the meeting. Said, uh, "Our meeting is the message." And I thought, you know, I mean, you talk about a heavy duty to me, anyway. A heavy duty. Uh, uh, that's pretty heavy, okay? Because what does that say? Man, I know. Uh, yeah. And that's well, what the I tell you what, I'm still I'm still thinking America's in trouble with with all these things going wrong with the number of illegals and uh, terrorists that have gotten into the country. Uh, we're going to have the civil war that the Hopi told.
where you saw it in the paper uh, or, or even on the, the Google News about um, a, a place in Indiana there, uh, Beach Grove, where the military was flying over with helicopters and dropping uh, seals out on a university making a mock attack and guns were going off and helicopters are buzzing houses and uh, you know somebody forgot to tell them this is just a, a uh, an exercise but they figured it out after a while but why are they doing that in populated areas it's, it's not for practice to go over and go house to house in the Middle East that's a totally different uh, theater of operation and Europe well maybe but you know, it, it just <laughs> that's what my dad said uh, Stan uh, we talked about the story uh in our first hour, and my dad says that you pra- you practice and prepare where you're going. You, you to, train where you fight. Yeah, you, you fight train where you train. train. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. right. Well, of and, course, where we live here in our house here in Colorado, about let's see, what would be about five miles north of us uh, is where the army does its practice with its tanks and all kinds of armament, and so we get pretty used to. Helicopters coming over the house at night, you know, real low, like that, vibrating the house and everything. And uh, big, big gunfire uh, just across the ridge there. You know, you can see the flashes and stuff and the flares going off and practicing. And so we get kind of desensitized to it, but I know that they're coming for us. That's the whole plan. And it, you know, we, the, the population cannot sit and do nothing with all this happening. There's going to be a number of people that are saying, I've had enough. They're going to pick up arms and, and it's going to happen. And once it starts, uh, we're all going to be pulled into it one way or another. I just am I, I'm so like sad, despondent to see this happen to the country that you and I grew up in. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys and I'm part of the, the great generation, born in 45. And I got to see the best of that world and the world that came in the 50s and it's just been thrown away by people not paying attention to who was taking care of them and my dad and his brothers and his friend you know general walker all kinds of people tried to wake up the american population just what was happening you know to stop it and it uh, for a while we had to, uh, maybe a million people aware and doing things and they went to sleep and uh, let it happen, and I just I I'm so glad that my dad and, and and Holly's dad are not here to see this. They would have just died of an apoplectic fit or what they saw in the news. Anyway, yeah, and and I and I think the same way too. I mean, I remember my father um, uh, serving in World War II in the Pacific, and you know, he, and all through his life, he was a, a big patriot. And so was so was uh, my stepmother who. For my mom passed away, he remarried, but um, you know, uh, yeah, we're at we're beyond that turning point. I think we're beyond that point of no return. Um, even though some people might argue that you know the Norman Rockwell era of the fifties did not exist, at least in not the way we remember it or would like to remember it. Nonetheless, it, it did exist. Um. Much more so, obviously, than today. But it it was a, it was a much it was a much more civil and pleasant society, and certainly and we had much employment. More Jobs yeah. were hard to get, you know, and you could afford a home to pay, you know, to be paying off a mortgage and stuff. And 
uh, people were civil. You opened doors for ladies, and well, ladies yeah. sometimes open doors for guys, I guess. But people were just polite and generally respectful of each other after the, the war, you know, when they'd survived this terrible thing. And it wasn't just here. It was over in Europe as well. People pulled together. But then something yeah. happened. Uh, it just what happened though you know when we look at this and obviously there there's a degree of social engineering in there but but i i guess you know if we were to um do a post mortem on that on that society uh at what point what was the cause of death or at what point did we lose when did when did we lose control of everything uh, i think it was death by a thousand cuts you know hmm they right. hit us in the economy. They hit us in uh, the Hollywood movies um, and, and legislation bit by bit, uh, birth control or uh, abortion legislation and all this kind of stuff just added bit by bit to the destruction of our culture. You know, um, I, I don't know that you can pick one thing. It's just so many things that were all being done at once while we slept and then woke up one morning and, and, and we're done. I'll tell you what, we need to be, if there ever was a time, we need to be getting prepared for the collapse of food line, you know, food supplies and uh, energy and water and uh, uh, police protection even. We, we need to be able to protect our homes and our uh, little neighborhood groups um, because we're going to be reduced to that when the fighting starts, the Civil War starts, and it is coming. Stan, I, I just gotta have to ask. I gotta tap into your wisdom, and I look at you as seriously. And I'm not blowing smoke or anything. I'm looking. I'm looking at you as, as a man with a lot of wisdom based on your on your intellect and research. Um, here we are. We're entering into the summer of 2016. This is an election year. You remember '68. Uh, I'm, I'm certain the Chicago Seven at the Democratic Convention in Chicago and, and Kent State in 1970. And yeah, and uh, do you think that we're going to see? Uh, I mean, are we are we going to get through this summer unscathed, or do you think we're we're going to see a replay of '68 or '70, um, just with a different tune, a different? I, I tell you what, uh, I'd be surprised if we do get through the summer. Uh, and make it to the elections without major upheavals in the country. Uh, I just feel it, but I have no you know, positive mm. data to say that this is it. No. Um, but uh, just that feeling I get from people in general and looking at the news that we're at a we're at a focal point, the apex of the stress on the population before something snaps and people start getting real angry with each other. Um, yeah, look. I don't even know if we're going to have another election. Uh, I've said that before. I, I'm seeing it uh, mentioned more frequently in the Internet chatter now, that there will be an emergency happen before November that will allow the White House to say, oh, we'll put the elections on temporary hold while I manage this crisis for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think more so now than ever. And, and I've gone through already in, in my short time of being awake, I've seen... What the last uh, not not twelve but uh, oh eight I saw it happen I saw it you hear this talk but now it's more it seems to be more uh, I don't know more real or more possible than ever before and, and this is why I love talking about the, the these current events with you is because you you offer this 
this rational perspective that uh, many and, and such have. Uh, such um, good news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in deep stuff here, folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, bend over and kiss it goodbye. That's how I feel like sometimes. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Well, and then you just said something, Stan. You know, you see the news every day, and uh, you see how things continue to get worse and worse. And um, you talked about how you know the, there might not be an election this time around, and you've said that before. But this time, it feels different. My dad said the same thing, and I think it is because of the. The way people uh, are perceiving the events going on around them, they are more open to the idea that, yes, this could happen. And then you look at the uh, shenanigans that have gone on through the um, primaries on both sides of the aisle. And then you look at the even the rhetoric coming from the president about the issue is, I mean, should make any citizen insecure, you know, making jokes about staying in power and... um, then you got the UN, uh, the the head of the the high, top spot at the UN opening up in, in the end of the year. And you got the Obama, and you mentioned that too, right? Uh, about Obama maybe uh, taking a walk uh, over the, from DC to New York as the Secretary General of the United Nations. Uh, did yeah, you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe he'll go to the top spot there and. Uh, Rule by proxy with someone else that'll take his uh, position here. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I know yeah. that the establishment must. Uh, well, I think they're probably pretty scared of the uh, Trump situation that he might actually turn things around if he got into power. I'm still trying to figure out whether he's on our side or not. You know, uh, he says all the right things, but I just wonder if it's a an end around play to to get us to jump and. Uh, the resulting election will be uh, disastrous either way. I don't know. I would like to hope. I would like to believe that what Trump promises uh, is what he will do when he gets in the office if he can pull it off. But he is. But, but you know, yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I agree with you on that. But but you know, even um, to, to me, even if Trump uh, was genuine or is genuine, and if he got uh, elected number one, he's going to run into a lot of interference. It's going to be a gauntlet like. Uh, Environment, but but I truly believe, Stan, that um, true revival and true change is not going to come from a man uh, at the top, but it's going to come from individuals at, at the grassroots level. And uh, in order for us to change as a nation, we have to change individually, you know, as as, a, as people. And uh, well, people can't the, do that unless we give them the incentive to be educated and understand what's happening, and you know, turn back to God. Uh, when will enough be enough, you know, even for the people that only go to church on holidays and stuff, you know, I just... That's true. You know, I'd yeah. hoped that when I found the Garden of Eden and when I found out about Atlantis and what caused the flood that really didn't happen, that kind of stuff, I had hoped that that would be a foundation which Christians could use as a witness tool and go to their neighbors and friends and relatives and whatever and say, look... Here is proof these things are real. The Bible is based on real stuff, real events. And as such, what is coming is also foretold, and we need to get together and stop it, you know, do what we uh, can as soldiers for the Lord. But it just doesn't seem as though it's catching on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, that surprises me, if I can interject this. When we first learned of of your lecture, your revelation about finding and, and locating the Garden of Eden, 
in my mind, and maybe I was just delusional, but I was thinking, you know, I was kind of planning your appearances on Good Morning America, and uh, seriously, or, you know, shows... Uh, mainstream news shows where, hey, wait a minute, look at, look at what, uh, Professor Indiana Jones Standale has really found and, and allowing you the time to, to show your discoveries. And maybe that's just a naive and delusional, uh, you know, thought. But when you think about what you discovered and, and the substantiation that you, you have provided for this discovery, why hasn't it caught on? Are people do know. people just don't care? I mean, I, look, I contacted every major news, television, and uh, newspaper organization with a press statement about what I'd found, and none of them even was interested. Yet ABC, you know, TV news, uh, Good Morning America, I think it was, they spent two hundred million dollars worth of effort down in in Goro Crater, calling it. Africa's Garden of Eden, you know, and live filming from the Garden of Eden in Africa. After all the stuff I'd done to prove it, they finally went down there and still would not admit it was the biblical Garden of Eden. So it did perhaps get that much attention put on that area, but not the way I wanted. I, you know, no. I wanted people to see that it really existed. The Bible is correct, you know. And now then that I've got uh, a method to, uh, or information to tie the uh, oh, the occult groups to uh, the Bible as well and saying, look, you guys talk about Atlantis. Well, the Bible mentions the people of Atlantis, the Nephilim and stuff like that. And even Noah lived there before the flood. And, you know, I can prove to them now then that Atlantis did exist where it was and how it was destroyed. With scientific evidence, I mean, as each week passes, I get more and more data, so much so that I can't even present it all in a one-hour lecture. And, uh, you know, you'd think that there would be this groundswell out there, because I've been releasing bits of it on your show, and maybe the odd bit on some other shows, but maybe on your show where I have the pictures and I talk about it. And I, would, I was thinking that there would be people who had friends or relatives in the media that would say, whoa, really, Atlantis? That's, you know, the secular world is interested in that. Well, okay, we'll jump on that. Oh, was destroyed by a flood and a meteor impact? Oh, that's good. Oh, uh, in the flood of Noah? Well, okay, yeah, okay. And you can see them drift off of that. But I was thinking this would be a secular approach that would get their attention. But just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> this morning I woke up. Uh, for a bit, I was uh, in a bit of hurt this morning, so I woke up before sun up and was laying there thinking. And I was thinking about the uh, the time of day. I, mean, I know this is dumb, but the time of day that that great asteroid that caused the flood and the sinking of Atlantis. What time of day did it come? You know, a dumb question, right? And I stood outside of my mind up on top of the solar system, and I saw the sun and shining light on the Earth. And I realize that, that uh, most asteroids come uh, in toward the sun in some direction. They come from out, coming in. So uh, seeing that uh, this asteroid hit the Earth in the direction of spin, you know, not against the spin of the Earth, that meant that the, the meteorite could not have hit uh, that area when it was um, on the opposite side of the planet because it would have slowed it down. It had to hit in the, the, the part of the planet that was turning toward the sun. And I've 
been able to calculate that, uh, that, that no matter whether there's a high uh, uh, asteroid orbit or a, a lower planar one coming in toward the sun and hitting us, whatever this thing was, it was a very high-placed object coming down into our, uh, our orbit. But when it hit the Earth, it hit it with a shallow impact. And it hit it between about 1 o'clock in the morning and about 4 o'clock is how I could figure that from looking at what part of the, of the Earth would uh, still be exposed to an incoming asteroid. And uh, I was pleased with myself, and so I thought, well, okay, what angle did the thing hit the Earth at? I know it was shallow, but how do we determine the angle? And then I figured, okay, we draw a line, a tangent to the surface of the planet, and blah, 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 and connect the lines between where the meteor entered the Earth and then where it pushed up a, a bunch of the Earth underneath the mantle over toward New Guinea. And so when I finally did surface and, and uh, get into the office this morning, I uh, put in uh, simulations into my animation programs and into Google Earth and all kinds of stuff. I was able to find out that this this huge asteroid um, did impact the Earth at an angle of 35 degrees from the horizon, and it was uh, roughly making a crater of 250 miles in diameter, which is, uh, you know, a reasonably large area, uh, you know, to, to be impacted that way. And I found the, the little tiny signals of it in some data I got from the... Um, uh, oh, the Institute, um, my mind goes blank on it, the one I used for the uh, uh, Garden of Eden discussions. Uh, uh, gee, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, it, it's an institute over in California that does research, marine research, and I used their data, and I was able to find the impact crater off the coast of uh, India, just right on the edge of the coast. But with their data, I was able to see that it didn't make a round hole uh, not from the, the surface looking down. It made a slant hole because it hit at that 35-degree angle. It shoved stuff out into the oceans at an angle. But I could see the, the Institute had drawn a contour line down in the impact area showing the shape of the low um, um, sea level, low lithography readings there, and it made an oval shape. So I used that uh, oval shape, and I said, well, if it were a circle, that would be spot on, like the Behringer Crater in Arizona did. It'd be a big round crater, but this is an elliptical thing in the seabed. And so taking the width of the ellipse and the length of it, I could determine uh, from trigonometry what the angle of impact was at 35 degrees. And so then I stuck a rod through the earth with my animation program, stuck it through eastern India there, and let it come out uh, where it, uh, it did into uh, Indonesia. And then I physically measured there with a little line what the angle of impact was. I got about 36 degrees there, so I know that that's right. I've been able to accurately tell that that was the, the impact at that angle. And then uh, I started thinking, well, how much energy was that uh, in that impact? You know, it was uh, about 10 miles in diameter, uh, bigger than the Chicxulub thing, which was variously reported between six and seven and a half miles in diameter. And I thought, well, okay, how, in nuclear terms, how many, uh, you know, megatons of energy was in that? And I thought, well, we'll, we'll use Nagasaki's bomb because it was 20 kilotons. And the impact of this meteor was 100 billion times greater than the bomb over Nagasaki. 100 billion times. 
incomprehensible. Now, if you compare it to the Tunguska event, it's um, 134 million times greater than the Tunguska explosion over Russia, which leveled thousands of miles of or square miles of trees and stuff. Uh, it, it, and when it hit, it threw up a splash. We've been calculating this using some of the NASA formulas. It kicked up about four seven. Let's see, four, about forty eight hundred cubic miles of seawater into the atmosphere, and it was boiling because imagine a meteor hitting it, it's hot, right? And it threw up by impact uh, 4,800 cubic miles of water into the upper atmosphere as water vapor, which of course started to rain prolifically, but it was hot because of the heat the thing impacted into our, our mantle. So the water kept boiling up and condensing the upper atmosphere of the troposphere and coming back down as rain. Noah's flood, 40 days of rain, right? Okay, that was where the rain came from, from that impact and the heat from it, condensing, falling down as rain. And then the fountains of the deep breaking up, well, this thing skimmed at an angle underneath the surface of the Earth, hitting it kind of almost sideways, breaking up what's called the Moho discontinuity, which is an area between 5 and 15 miles deep, a sphere or a shell all underneath the, the mantle. And it had hot water in it with a density about three times that of seawater or of tap water. And that, those, those pressurized areas underneath the mantle were broken up and they were hot on their own. But when the heat of the impact got them, they started squirting out hot water into the oceans and that continued for 110 days in the, in the Noah's epic. And it hmm. would have made tidal waves that left Indonesia, hit across the United States, hit across Europe, and, you know, into where Noah was there in the uh, Turkey region. It would have swept the planet several times with huge, hundreds of feet high tidal waves that were boiling water almost. So, you know, when when you start getting down to the nitty-gritty of it, it gets very exciting because you're, you're seeing what caused all these things. Uh, that water that was kicked up in the first impact there, which just shoved it up, was enough to put two inches of water all over the planet at once, every square foot of the planet with uh, two inches of water. And, of course, that, that fell as rain in various places as the clouds formed. But uh, anyway, when you put it into perspective, this was a mighty, mighty event that happened. And to me, it is so exciting to find this historical impact that explains so many mysteries about how Indonesia formed and why there were little glass spherules of um, impact all over Marble Bar in northwestern Australia that they found a couple of weeks back. Uh, and they still don't, you know, the professor found out still doesn't believe that the impact I showed him uh, was the one that did it. And I've discovered with this the largest impact crater on the planet in the history of the planet. And you would think that this would be absolutely, you know, foot stomping, jumping up in the air, yelling Eureka news, but it's just not happening out there. People are just kind of going ho-hum. Hmm. Any speculation as to why the hmm. news wouldn't pick up on it? I mean, it's not like it is, um, even if you took the biblical story out of it and, and stuck with the scientific only scientifically provable I mean that's still a big discovery Yeah, I'll tell you why I'll tell you why it's one simple thing it's the age of the universe problem I say you know this happened in the last 4,000 years and they say well okay a meteor did impact but that was back um, 
can't even accept the fact that Earth has expanded 25 to 28 percent from its original size and stretch the continents apart. They're still thinking there's continental drift at one inch per year or some rubbish like that. Uh, we're, <laughs> that's why they're not accepting it, because they have to go against their tenure, what they were taught by all their you know, fellow academians. And, 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 you know, I'm just pushing it uphill trying to get the truth to them. I just wish there were someone yeah. in the community there, in the scientific community, that would hear this and understand and start, you know, spreading the word that maybe we better reevaluate our dating concepts. Just one. Well, the um, Darwinism, the, the Darwinism hinges upon that. I mean, they need that 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 length of time, right? I, I mean. Evolution yeah. is contingent upon that, that that long cycle or that long Earth. Hey, uh, if you can go to your computer there uh, to my show images page. Yep. Second second row, first image. Got it. That's what I'm working on right now. the The black areas are um, countries that were moved by the impact, and I want you to look at the difference between looking at, um, you know, a satellite image or a Google Earth image of uh, of the ocean bottom and of continents and mountains and stuff like that in color versus black and white. If you look at that image, I've got a white line and an orange line coming out of the area in India where the, the crater was made by the, 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 the meteor. And you follow that off to the right and you'll see an actual ridge, the edge of the dirt uh, and, and seabed that was pushed up by that meteor. You'll see that ridge. It's heading right toward uh, um, New Guinea. That is the end of where that, that meteor traveled right there. That's why we have that funny curl in the islands of Indonesia there. It, you're seeing where the meteor stopped. It shoved mass ahead of it under New Guinea, but it stopped right where that ridge is like, like you hit a sandy beach, you know, with a plane crash and it would shove up a mound of dirt ahead of it. That's what you're seeing in black and white there. And it's just so clear when you see it in black and white rather than in color. That's where that meteor stopped. Now just look at that. That's just incredible to see that. It's been right before our eyes for yeah. generations. And especially in the last 50, 60 years, we've had such an increase in knowledge. You would think that others would have said, oh, what caused that? And yeah. it wasn't gradualism. It was a catastrophic impact. And there it is right before us. And you can see where, where, where Australia is in this uh, image I'm making. And there's a... There's a little gray kind of area off the northwest side of Australia there with little horns. It looks like it's just part of the sea sediment. And right in line with that, going down to the coast of Australia is where Marble Bar is. And that's where they have all of that mysterious glass beads that were formed by some huge asteroid impact, and they can't find the asteroid. That's why it sprayed it, because that's where Australia was when it hit. It just uh. threw stuff right on top of Australia. <sighs> It's frustrating. Yeah. Frustrating. Well, it's excellent. There are the answers, or there's the answer right there, folks, uh, for all the scientists in, in the mainstream media listening, you know, both of you. Um, <laughs> no. I, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, Lord. Isn't that something? Well, that's why, guys. It's just that we, that we have that one thing 
that, you know, they say, oh, you're a religious nut if you say the earth is 6,000 years old. Well, the Garden of Eden tale goes back 6,000 years, but the earth was probably formed before that and cooled and whatever, so we're older as a planet than that, but not right. millions of years. We're talking thousands or tens of thousands for everything to form and cool. And, right. you know, if we can't get mainstream science to look past the, their peer group pressure, then we have no hope of... of of teaching, I mean, it's like the the, the church, uh, you know, uh, uh, oppressing, you know, the scientists that were coming up with the fact, like Copernicus, that uh, the Earth actually went around the sun. Uh, nothing, everything didn't revolve around the Earth, but the, he was just absolutely clobbered by the church for his heresy in, in the scientific area, and it took generations for that to be fully accepted. And here we are faced with this thing, which is. It just as earth-shattering to human concept as that was, and we're facing the same thing without a lot of time left to prove it to people. Hmm. Speaking of not having a lot of time left, Stan, you know, you, you sat with us uh, graciously for the entire program. We've got about sixty seconds left. <laughs> uh, what a what a great conversation tonight. Well, it's probably just mainly me voicing my frustration with current events, and yeah. I just, I wish the Lord would come soon. I really do. I wish, I just, yeah. We need to put this house in order, and he's the only one that can do it. Amen to that. Yeah. And, and folks, stand Dale, and I'm going to repeat what I said when he, when he first came on, you know, um, not feeling well. Uh, please, uh, doing so much work. Please, when you hit your knees tonight, please have uh, prayers for Stan and for uh, uh, for his restoration, and, uh, physical ailments, and, and and for Holly. Please pray for both of them because we need you around, buddy. We 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 love you. We need you. <laughs> well, thank we you. We love it. Uh, so. Well, thanks for staying with us tonight, Stan. Yeah. God bless you. You have a good night. You and Holly get All some right, rest. Guys, I'm going to go up to sit down, I think. All right. All right. Tomorrow, we will be covering news, followed by open phone lines. For the second two hours of tomorrow, we want to hear from you. And don't forget, Ted Brewer will be on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a great week. And uh, Memorial's Day, Memorial Day is coming up. We'll have a discussion about that later. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.